optimal minimal. At this altitude, I can run flat out for a half mile before my hands start shaking. Can I ask you a personal question? Now what is even an appropriate time. What if I did the opposite? I'm a cybernetic organism, living tissue over a metal endoskeleton. This episode is brought to you by Allform. If you've been listening to this podcast for a while, you've probably heard me talk about Helix Sleep and their mattresses, which I've been using since 2017. I have two of them upstairs from where I'm sitting at this moment. And now Helix has gone beyond the bedroom and started making sofas. They just launched a new company called Allform, A-L-L-F-O-R-M, and they're making premium customizable sofas and chairs shipped right to your door at a fraction of the cost of traditional stores. So I'm sitting in my living room right now, and it's entirely all-form furniture. I've got two chairs, I've got an ottoman, and I have an L-sectional couch. And I'll come back to that. You can pick your fabric. They're all spill, stain, and scratch resistant. The sofa color, the color of the legs, the sofa size, the shape to make sure it's perfect for you in your home. Also, all form arrives in just three to seven days and you can assemble it all yourself in a few minutes. No tools needed. I was quite astonished by how modular and easy these things fit together, kind of like Lego pieces. They've got armchairs, love seats, all the way up to an eight seat sectional. So there's something for everyone. You can also start small and kind of build on top of it if you wanted to get a smaller couch and then build out on it, which is actually in a way what I did because I can turn my L-sectional couch into a normal straight couch and then with a separate ottoman in a matter of about 60 seconds. It's pretty rad. So I mentioned I have all of these different things in this room. I use the natural leg finish, which is their lightest color, and I dig it. I mean, I've been using these things hours and hours and hours every single day. So I am using what I am sharing with you guys. And if getting a sofa without trying it in-store sounds risky, you don't need to worry. All form sofas are delivered directly to your home with fast free shipping, and you get 100 days to decide if you want to keep it. That's more than three months, and if you don't love it, they'll pick it up for free and give you a full refund. Your sofa frame also has a forever warranty that's literally forever. So check it out. Take a look. They've got all sorts of cool stuff to choose from. I was skeptical, and it actually worked. It worked much better than I could have imagined, and I'm very, very happy. So to find your perfect sofa, check out allform.com slash Tim. That's A-L-L-F-O-R-M dot com slash Tim. Allform is offering 20% off all orders to you, my dear listeners, at allform.com slash Tim. Make sure to use the code Tim at checkout. That's allform.com slash Tim and use code Tim at checkout. This episode is brought to you by LegalZoom. It's a whole new world out there, and we're all facing new challenges. You may need legal help to overcome some of yours, and that's where LegalZoom fits in. Maybe you've been wondering about the best way to protect your family, or maybe you're thinking about starting a business, but you don't know the best way to do it. Don't let legal questions hold you back. LegalZoom has been dedicated to helping you find the right solutions for nearly 20 years. If you're looking to protect your family with a will or a living trust or something else, or you're thinking about the right way to start a business with an LLC, nonprofit, or more, LegalZoom's got you covered. It's easy to get started online, and if you need guidance, their network of attorneys can provide advice to ensure you make the right choices. And since LegalZoom isn't a law firm, you won't get charged by the hour. So check it out. Visit LegalZoom.com today to take care of the important things that need to get done. That's LegalZoom.com. LegalZoom, where life meets legal. This episode is brought to you by Athletic Greens. 
I get asked all the time what I would take if I could only take one supplement. The answer is invariably athletic greens. I view it as all-in-one nutritional insurance. I recommended it, in fact, in the four-hour body. This is more than 10 years ago, and I did not get paid to do so. With approximately 75 vitamins, minerals, and whole food sourced ingredients, you'd be very hard-pressed to find a more nutrient-dense and comprehensive formula on the market. It has multivitamins, multimineral greens complex, probiotics and prebiotics for gut health, an immunity formula, digestive enzymes, adaptogens, and much more. I usually take it once or twice a day just to make sure I've covered my bases if I miss anything I'm not aware of. Of course, I focus on nutrient-dense meals to begin with. That's the basis. But Athletic Greens makes it easy to get a lot of nutrition when whole foods aren't readily available. From travel packets, I always have them in my bag when I'm zipping around. Right now, Athletic Greens is giving my audience a special offer on top of their all-in-one formula, which is a free vitamin D supplement and five free travel packs with your first subscription purchase. Many of us are deficient in vitamin D. I found that true for myself, which is usually produced in our bodies from sun exposure. So adding a vitamin D supplement to your daily routine is a great option for additional immune support. Support your immunity, gut health, and energy by visiting athleticgreens.com slash TFS. You'll receive up to a year's supply of vitamin D and five free travel packs with your subscription. Again, that's athleticgreens.com slash TFS, as in Tim Ferriss show. athleticgreens.com slash TFS. With LinkedIn Jobs, we tap into a network of more than a billion professionals to help you find quality professionals quickly and easily for any role you need. Marketing wizards? Found them. Software engineers? Found. That project manager I could never seem to hire? And found. LinkedIn Jobs quickly matches your roles with candidates with the right skills and experience. In fact, 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. Post your first job for free and get started at linkedin.com slash acquire. That's linkedin.com slash acquire. Terms and conditions apply. Well, hello, boys and girls, ladies and germs. This is Tim Ferriss, and welcome to another episode of The Tim Ferriss Show. This is a special edition, The Random Show, with Kevin Rose, my good friend, a serial tech founder and entrepreneur and investor of all different types. He really spans the spectrum, does a lot of things. And in this episode, we talk about many things. It is called The Random Show for a reason, after all. Surfing the waves of COVID, deleting social media apps, Zen quickenings, strange beers Kevin's been enjoying, some of the best in the world, it turns out, for not that much money. Grilling, investing, we talk about investing towards the end, and we cover a lot of ground, a few caveats, we are not registered investment advisors or professionals of any type. We are not medical doctors. We don't play either on the internet. And anything you find in this conversation is for informational purposes only. So before taking any action on anything in this, please consult your local qualified (laughs) professional. And with all that said, please enjoy this wide-ranging and rambling conversation with Kevin Rose. Here we are again. Here we are again. I love it. Good to see you. You're in the, the, the dark cavernous. Is that a man cave? Is that a bar? Where are you yeah, looking? It's, I'm, it's, I'm, I'm just in, in the a very light colored alternate universe. Yeah, you, you look uh, a lot more peaceful than my kind of dungeon. I'm, I'm down here in the, uh, this is the bar actually. But it's now it's office. It was a bar. It was a kind of a cool place to hang out and have people, friends over. 
But in COVID times, it's uh, an office. And I got a mic hooked up here and all my computer crap and mail and all the other stuff. So it's I no feel like all of your out. BDSM dungeon equipment is hiding Dude, in that the shadows is you. behind you. That is you. Do you want to talk about that? No, no. Look, look, I am actually in my acupuncture office. You may recognize the acupuncture shelves behind me. I am, in fact, in an acupuncture office, but it's not mine. Are you just renting one out or what are you doing? I'm borrowing fast Wi-Fi in an undisclosed rural location where my internet speed is otherwise 0.5 megabits per second, which doesn't allow us to do calls like this. I am on a farm. And in the middle of the woods, I have a bear living about, well, in fact, probably hundreds of feet from me at times. Like a real full-on bear. Yes, a huge black bear, but it's a huge bear. It's a gigantic, healthy black bear. Like a friendly trained one kind of thing or? Not trained, no tricycles, no tricks, no (laughs) dancing. And on the sidewalk for pennies, this is a wild black bear. We haven't yet met. Uh, I've met fox coyote, all sorts of other animals, but have not yet met the bear. Just seeing photographs that my friends have taken. Have you done bear training? I have not done any bear training. So that's a real thing. Yeah, No, I haven't. But uh, our mutual friend, Mike Mazur, sent me photos last weekend. He went up and did some, he lives in Montana and he did some bear training. Like they bring real loud bears up that tackle you. That's and where he's like, like re- wrestling with big dudes with beards. Is that pr- pretty much most like, of the training? Uh, San, Francisco, San Francisco style. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh, exactly. I think I did otter training when I was in San Francisco, but no real legitimate bear training. I've done raccoon and squirrel. Those are my, my two certifications. <laughs> if if people have not actually seen Kevin's raccoon video, he's not lying. He he didn't actually do any raccoon training, but you got thrown into the swimming pool and like turned into an Olympic swimmer. In moments to, def- to defend your 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 little pup toaster, people can search Kevin Rose Raccoon and get to that. I haven't done bear training. If you're in Montana, you need legit bear training because you have terrestrial great white sharks, aka grizzly bears, which are very very different from the supposedly uh, the black bears are pretty chill, right? They they seem like they avoid humans and tend not to prey upon humans, so that's a good thing. You carry bear spray, though, I take it. I do not currently carry bear spray. Uh, I make a lot of noise when I'm hiking, Mm. but that's about it at this point. Probably should do more research, but one of the things I've been getting into is plant, and I suppose this would be a subset of that, but tree identification. So that's been something I've been spending a lot of time on. I've been doing probably two to three hours of hiking in the woods per day, and that involves a whole bunch of gear, Aside from my, my lack of bear spray, so I wear a limitic pants. They have permethrin in the fabric, so you avoid ticks, which is super important if you're anywhere, certainly on the East Coast and anywhere else. And then have you ever seen a GORUCK rucksack? I believe they're based in, in San Francisco. No, I don't, I don't believe so. There are backpacks designed by... Uh, well, the CEO and founder, who's former special forces, to carry uh, customized weight plates. So for a, a replacement to running, because I like to think that I like to want to run, but I don't actually enjoy running very much and it, it bothers my knees. You can do these weighted hikes where you'll have, say, 20 or 30 or more pounds on your back, but the backpacks are des- specifically designed to carry these square weight plates that sit high 
on your upper back so hmm. that you can have better ergonomics as you hike. And it's been yeah. awesome. I'll just I was like, I'm curious about that because I have a weighted vest that I've, you know, the standard one like you order on Amazon and I was yeah. using on the treadmill sometimes just for like a super low grade, uh, but you know, adds an extra 15 or 20 pounds on How is this? I take it it's just position the weights position better so that you don't hurt your back. Yeah, the way that it's pitched and I've, I've only used a weight vest once just as a quick side note. So when I used a weight vest, I had no point of reference. This was probably 2000 eight or 2009 when I was working on the four hour body. And I thought I can work with a weight vest. And this was, I think it was before they used weight vests in the CrossFit games and so on. And I had no idea how much weight to use. And I was like, oh, I'll just get like 50 or 60 pounds. That seems like a good, a good starting point. So I put on 60 pounds and I would usually go for like a three mile walk in San Francisco. And I got three miles out and I was like, I'm fucking done. I can't do this. And so I left the vest on the sidewalk <laughs> and walked back. I couldn't, I couldn't hack it. It was uh, also in the summer. But if you read the website, would be led to believe that the vests have more of a suffocating effect because you also are carrying weight on the chest. Mm. These are intended to mimic more of long distance Piggybacking. Ergonomics, yeah, right. Uh, It's actually piggybacking, but with the weight higher up on your back. So I've found it surprisingly comfortable. I have some spinal issues in my upper thoracic back. So let's just call it lower cervical. And wearing backpacks for long periods really bothers my back. But these bags actually allow me to train, usually for no more than about an hour and a half, without any subsequent back pain as long as I don't overdo it. So it's been, it's been really nice to build up the lower legs. I'm also jumping rope, uh, using both in a way to prepare for possible trail running and uh, feeling great, feeling just fantastic. That's I'll awesome. listen to audiobooks or do phone calls typically while I'm so doing that. Two questions. One, I had always heard, at least back in the day, like when you're backpacking, they always tell you get a backpack where all the weight is kind of pushed down to your hips. So you're carrying it on your hips and it's not so much on yep. your back. Why wouldn't you want something like that? And to your jump rope point, did you hear that Tyson's going to fight again? I did hear that Tyson's going to fight That's again. It's crazy. It is crazy. We'll start, start uh, with the, the hip stuff. All right. So the hip stuff, I, I would imagine if you are carrying a lot more weight, or if you're just hiking for efficiency and not as a workout, that probably makes a lot of sense. What I have found personally is that if I have a backpack with a weight strap and shoulder straps, maybe I'm just using them incorrectly, but it tends to pull me backwards and I jump my head forward quite a lot. Mm. There are training recommendations and guidelines on this, this site. I think it's just gorock.com. And I followed those. So they encourage you not to lean forward. They encourage you to stand up straight and very deliberately do not have a chest strap or a waist harness. I'm sure you could train with other approaches, but the fact of the matter is my, let's just call it upper middle back, always hurt after a short period of time of carrying backpacks wherever I would be walking around in the city, whether it was San Francisco years ago or in Austin or elsewhere. And doing this, I got a great workout, but without that subsequent, it's really spinal pain, basically the musculature around uh, the spine or maybe, maybe even the connective tissue. I've had really some of aggravated. that. So yeah, when, it, when it seizes up too, I don't know how many times you've had your back seize on you where you're like, you just can't yeah. move. Oh my God. It's like, it's like worst. 
It is. It, yeah. And it and, sucks. Uh, I have two little monkeys like hanging on me all day long with little girls, you know, and I'm just like, yeah. they just tweak you one way or now like I'm in my forties. Like if I cough my, with my head pointed the wrong direction, my back is just like, <laughs> just like seizes up on you. Well, I feel like that's a good segue to, uh, what lazy bastards we are compared to Tyson who's in his fifties, isn't he? I know he's, he's like six, <laughs> almost 60. So let me ask you a question, like straight up. Ten million dollars? No, no, no. That's not enough money for Tim Ferriss. Tim Ferriss, two hundred million dollars. No bullshitting. No falling to the ground. Would you step in the ring with Tyson today? Absolutely not. No, (laughs) I I wouldn't. There's no fucking way. You don't think you could win? Well, number one, absolutely would not win. Dude, you have a black belt. I mean, yeah, in judo. I mean, it's sport <laughs> judo. It's very different from like raised in, I think it was about Brownsville with, you know. The How many rounds could you go? Oh, absolutely. If we're talking boxing or anything, I, unless I jumped guard and just hung on for dear life like a koala, right. like a koala bear, I would not last one round. I probably you wouldn't last, last one minute. One, I think you could last one round. I don't think so, man. If you covered cool. up completely, like you just put your arms in full <laughs> like turtle position, fetal, yeah, and just let him punch you in your arms, your fucking head seconds, would fly off. Right. Yeah, I. Most people have not been hit by a trained fighter i've been hit by trained fighters and it's a lot worse than you think it is it's a lot worse and as someone who's had head trauma before and concussions because i was never a very good striker i was i was a better grappler and i wasn't a great grappler either but i was i was decent with a lot of wrestling background and judo and so on but i would just get whacked in the head have you ever seen space balls yes of course where uh, what dark helmet is yeah. held at bay with one arm and he's swinging and isn't hitting anything. I was basically dark helmet whenever I sparred because I was heavy for my height. And so I'd end up with these goddamn six foot two, like 150 pounders who would just tee off on my head from a distance nonstop. And I ended up, I think, with some long-term damage and consequences from that. So traumatic brain injury, I have zero interest in these days. Uh, so I would not for any price. Not even if it was like grappling, like MMA style with Tyson. The problem I is ri- I wouldn't risk it. I wouldn't risk it, man. Yeah. He would definitely get in one good shot. That's right. That's right. All that's all it takes, right? Like he yeah. you could try and then he just needs to get the right angle and then you're out. It's just the over. Other, the other thing to remember too is that speed goes with age. I mean, speed is one of the first things. If you watch, say, uh, Roy Jones Jr. or a lot of these fighters who had a winning style predicated on speed. Once they lose half a step, they start getting knocked out. Tyson was very, very fast, but he's also ungodly strong. Mm. And he's got old man strength that has not diminished. Have you watched some of his videos? I have watched some of his... Back in shape videos? Yeah, his pad and mitt work videos. Oh, God. And uh, well, we'll put some in the show notes for people to, to check out. I mean, if they just search, you know, Mike Tyson new videos, I'm sure they'll pop right up. Uh, they're terrifying. They're really, really terrifying because I've, I've been hit by some decent strikers. And I mean, you feel afterwards your, the, the bruising of your brain. I mean, your brain is bound, ricocheted off the sides of your skull like a big ice cube being shaken in a fucking shaker. And that's not good for you. 
you know, it can yeah. contribute to depression. It can contribute to dementia, early onset Alzheimer's. I, I am so uninterested. Yeah. I'll take my chances I, with the bear over Tyson anytime. I don't know. Four, four hour body Tim would have, would have, might have been interested a few, few years ago. Four hour body Tim is like evil Knievel, right? <laughs> like I'm going to jump Grand Canyon and just wipe out into the wall and break every bone in my body. And at the time, I think I just assumed that I could automatically repair all of that. And the fact is, uh, not to imply that there's a lot of that in the book, I don't think there is, uh, but there's a certain sense of immortality or invincibility that you have when you're younger, which you you learn is very misplaced when you get a little bit older. And that's not to play the crotchety all like, oh my God, once it's 30, it's all downhill. Once it's 35, it's all downhill. You always meet lazy people who say that shit because yeah, they just yeah. don't want to... They just don't want to put in the work because it takes a little more work when you're not in hormonal nirvana to you know keep that little python that swallowed a goat physique you know like dad bod at bay. Uh, but the fact of the matter is, like without higher testosterone levels and so on, your recovery time and and everything else is is extended, right? So. I am so uninterested in injuries these days, especially during COVID, right? The last thing I want to do is put up some home-based parkour course and like break a wrist trying to scale the garage and then have to go to the emergency room. No way. No, thank you. Roy Jones Jr. on Exhibition Fight with Mike Tyson. You don't know what Mike might do. Is it Roy Jones Jr.? That would be a huge weight class mismatch. Let me just... Fact check this real fast. But Roy Jones Jr. was boxing not that long ago, right? It's been yeah, a while. It is, it is Roy Jones Jr. Oh, it is Roy right. Jones Jr. Yeah. All right, eight-round exhibition fight. He's this 51. should be super, super interesting. Roy Jones Jr., I watched a lot. And uh, these are both fighters who capitalized on incredible speed. Right? And now they're mm-hmm. older. They're both strong. Tyson absolutely has a strength advantage. Oh, Jesus. Tyson is 5'10", 240. Roy yeah, Jones Jr. Get... is 193. I don't know what his height is. doesn't say yeah. here. You, but you 193 really... to 240, that's a big weight difference. Yeah, you really don't want to get hit by either of these guys. Uh, so to make that exhibition looks like an exhibition fight on september 12th that's really soon that roy jones jr is gonna have to dance he's really gonna have to dance and i don't know the last time that he had a dance card with stakes quite this high i mean and he might be laughing all the way to the bank but honestly it's like if mike tyson hits you hard enough you're gonna have trouble finding the bank yeah (laughs) Yeah, exactly (laughs) oh my god i'll definitely watch that fight though are you kidding it's crazy. Uh, it's uh, good to see him back, though, man. You know the cool thing about it is I saw Tyson being interviewed, and he pledged 100% of the proceeds to charity. Um, wow. he, he's, he doesn't care about making any money off of this. He said that's not where his happiness comes from anymore. Like It just seemed like really yeah. like a different version of Tyson that was refreshing to see. You know? It seems yeah. like he's done a lot, of, a lot of work on himself. Yeah, it seems that way. I mean, it's, uh, I, I imagine. It's not biting off ears anymore, I don't think. Not biting off ears. That's a good start in self development. Yeah. Stop biting off ears. And it, it seems like he's done a lot of work. I saw a video on, which was an interview of Tyson describing his 5MEO, 5 methoxy DMT experience. Oh, crazy. Yeah. 
Yeah, and I I don't know who the the sitters were for that, but <laughs> you either have to be really, really, really good with lots of safeguards, or you have to be incredibly fucking stupid to be in a room where you volunteered to hold down Mike Tyson when he's on five MEO DMT. <laughs> Fuck that. I no thanks. You, yeah, you, you get a big padded room, and you kind of have to do it via. Like, yeah, like through the glass. Phone. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Mikey. Here's the, tu- here's the tube through the window. Yeah, exactly. You're going to do great. Oh, my God. It's like the Hulk when he, like, erupts and just, like, you know, you can't contain yeah. him. Yeah, yeah you, don't want to be at, you don't want to be anywhere close to that. So what have you been up to, man? It's been actually quite a while since we've caught up. It's been uh, at least a few weeks since we had a, a proper, proper conversation. Yeah, I know. And then our last podcast that we did, I mean, we were just in like a horrible place. Like our last podcast yeah. was when COVID was really starting to hit. And we're both yeah. like, well, we'll see. I hope to see you sometime. You know, like we thought, we thought the end was near. At least yeah. I, you still kind of feel that way though, huh? Well not the end, but lots of changes for sure. I'm less concerned about the virus wiping out everyone, which I didn't think was going to happen to begin with, but I I didn't like the, at the time, what we understood to be the characteristics and kinetics of the virus. Still very, very glad that I made the public statements and published the blog posts that I did, which I still stand by. Uh, But I am very concerned about the the secondary and third order effects of economic destruction mm-hmm. and high rates of unemployment, uh, very understandable uh, anger and frustration and strong emotions coming from not having work. Uh, not having a sense of purpose for millions of people, and also just having a very, very polarized political machines who are capitalizing on that heightened emotion mm-hmm. to try to further their aims on on all sides. This is this is this is <laughs> a defining, I would say, characteristic of a sort of opportunistic political maneuvering. So I'm I'm very concerned. Uh, about the country. So I'm not, the, the game is far from over. If we had a working vaccine tomorrow and were prepared to distribute, what percentage of the U.S. do you think would volunteer, even if they were told they, that it were mandatory, who would comply? What percentage of the population do you think would comply and actually get a vaccine? And over, since we don't over. have any state-to-state restrictions in terms of travel, I mean, there are recommended 14-day uh, right. self-quarantines and so on, but there's no real enforcement. There's no real follow-up. That's right. Yeah. So what, I mean, what percentage of the country do you think would actually take a vaccine? Fully distributed, thought to be effective. Yeah. I mean, I think, I, I guess it also depends on the window of time that you're, you're talking about, right? I mean, I think that a lot more people will take it a month three versus month one. <laughs> you know, yeah. It's like, yeah. So um, I would say that, does it well? I guess my the the question though is: Does it really matter? Like you and I are going to take it, right? Like, does there will be a certain subset of people that won't? And yeah. you know, it's like you're kind of rolling the dice with your own life. And at that point, there's you've done all you can do. Yeah, 
I mean, it sounds horrible to say that, but like, how do you, you can't force someone to like stick a needle in their arm. So you have to do the best you can at education, at demonstrating uh, safety and efficacy, and then, you know, hope for the best. I would say though, it's probably going to be more than you would think. Uh, Well, what percentage of folks get the flu shot every year? I guess that would be a good proxy. Um, Yeah. I don't know. That's the answer. And then, and then I would say it'll be higher than that because flu is very optional for a lot of people, not as deadly. So, um, yeah, it's it's hard. It's it's hard to to back into a number like that. But I, I would imagine it would be somewhere around seventy percent or or greater. Would you think you were probably thinking like twenty percent? I'm thinking twenty to thirty percent by month three. That would be my that would be my guess. That's what are I would you, bet. Are you doing it month one? Uh, you know, this is this is where we're going to get ourselves into trouble. I'm not a medical professional not giving medical advice. I would not want to be the first monkey shot into space, uh, but we might edit this out later because I also don't want to discourage people from getting a vaccine. But if the, if we're breaking every land speed record in developing a vaccine for a virus that we understand very incompletely, you know, I have my own misgivings. I I do think vaccines are incredibly valuable to the individual and to community and humanity overall. And we we simply don't have a lot of data on yeah. on this virus. So, well, to your point about the economy, though, I think that's going to be the difficult piece of this in getting folks back to work and getting the average consumer to trust restaurants again, to trust bars again, to trust all of concert venues, all of the things that we used to do to, to drive up the economy. And, and you know, uh, I, I just can't see it bouncing back as fast as people have said it's going to. Um, I, think, I, I think we're in minimum, you know, year and a half, two year. Yeah, tough, that, that, tough, that feels right. tough trench. Yeah. So as, I gotta, as, you put it, as, as you poetically put it to me some time ago, I think we're in for a slow donkey. I think slow donkey. <laughs> <laughs> I think we are looking at a slow donkey here. Yeah, sometimes people quote you and you're like, there's no way I said that. Like, I definitely said that. That sounds, <laughs> that sounds like something I would say. Um, so, well, here's the crazy thing, man. Like, I've been thinking more about universal basic income. And, and the one thing, the, the biggest, at first I was like, no, there's no way. Why do we need it? It seems like a waste of money. You know, it's like just... Giving out money doesn't seem to be a solution for anything. And then two weeks ago, a new uh, API came out from a group called Op- uh, OpenAI, which is this artificial intelligence group. Have you seen anything created by this GPT-3? Have you seen this at all? I've seen Chris Saka's experiments with it. I haven't played with it yet. He's, he seems incredibly impressed. I don't know uh, what his involvement is, if any, but it's, it's you tell nuts. me. So it's, it's, what I saw it seems nuts. It was some of the demos that I've seen lately are uh, you give the AI a couple websites. So you go like, here's a website I like, and here's another website I like. Now design me a website that looks like those websites, but is about a text-based messaging app. And it literally created a beautiful, ready-to-go, fully designed website in like minutes that it came up with. Holy and shit! And you're like. Well, there goes all the graphic design jobs. <laughs> like, you know, yeah. like maybe not in the next six months or next year, but that is where it's going. And like, yeah. if that's going to be on a whole, like AI is going to kill so many 
technical jobs. And, and it, it's, it's just crazy. I, I don't see any way out of this. Like you have to become like a basket weaver or a potter right. or, a, or a cult leader. Those are... That's immediately what, that's the first thing Daria said. I was talking to my wife about it. She was like, <laughs> you know, it's going to be down to like artisan craft, like the AI can't do, like touched by human hands. And I'm like, well, yeah, but like how many people need baskets? Like how many, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like how many yeah. artisan, like artists do we need to be doing this? Like, I, I just don't know that there's that many jobs there. So maybe something like universal basic income does make sense when eventually that hits. Um, yeah. And, and I worry they, they talk, the talk now on the street is that a lot of these jobs just aren't going to come back. You know, the, they, talk, on, the talk on the street. That's a phrase no, I mean, haven't sorry, heard you use. like the street, like Wall Street. Oh, okay. Like, <laughs> yes. Got it. <laughs> <laughs> the word on the street or around the corner, the neighbors are saying. <laughs> I got it. All right. Yeah, the jobs aren't going to come back. Yeah. Yes. I mean, if, if this is like V0, right? If this is rough right. draft, it's hugely i mean it's awesome in the like 18th century sense of the word right i mean it's awe inspiring and kind of staggering in its implications and also really terrifying Mm -hmm. it is it's it's like writing books now like you're you're gonna be soon out of work as did you see some of the stuff it's writing like you can say uh write me a bedtime story and then it just goes and creates these beautiful like you could take that tweak a couple words and like put your name on it and people will do that and it's not going to oh, show yeah. up again in any plagiarism dictionaries or anything like that it'll but it'll be like 90 percent ai written so yeah. i mean that would be a way to rough draft stuff right as 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 i although i have to imagine it's pulling from other sources that might end up then having claims of plagiarism but yeah maybe but it's not. from other sources in the terms of creating its its mental model and understanding model of the data so but yeah. so are we all right like the only reason you can write yeah. your books is because you're pulling from all your childhood experiences and all the other crap so it's the same <laughs> <laughs> All the crappy childhood experiences also. <laughs> yeah, exactly. uh, Sokka, for those people who don't know, very, uh, very, very successful investor, previous operator, first fund of, delivered something like 250X, I guess, and has done very well. Uh, he drafted a number of tweets and then let uh, open AI, but that's not the phrase he used. It's, what was the other term that you used? Oh, GPT-3. GPT-3, what does that that's right. refer to? Uh, that's just their most uh, recent iteration of this type of technology. It was two and now it's three. I don't know what the GPT stands for exactly. I can find out though. Catchy, catchy. First, I thought he was talking about Grand Theft Auto and he'd smoked too much weed. I wasn't <laughs> sure what he was texting me about. And he, he wrote a string of tweets and then he let GPT-3 write the next two or three and effectively impossible to tell apart, right? I mean, they did yeah. seem like tweets that he would write. It was spooky. It's really cool. It, 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 for, for those of you that are listening, they're like, I have no idea what these guys are talking about. Like, definitely go on Twitter, um, type that in, and, and just look for it. They have so many examples being tweeted out. They're just fun. They're, they're crazy and yeah. fun and wacky. And, but but it, it's one of those things where you realize a major shift has happened. Like, this is truly a big uh, AI shift in that, you know, I talked to, to Siri today and it doesn't understand half the shit I'm trying to tell it. And and you go into what you watch what this thing can do and you're like, wow, like this is an order of magnitude better than what we had just a couple months ago, you know? Hey Siri, 
Tell me, predict what this slow donkey is going to do. Slow donkey. <laughs> Toy monkey? I found these Toy results monkey? for no, slow Siri. donkey. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. That's so fucking creepy, man. Why does Siri, oh, it's because I said, hey Siri, auto activated on my phone and then had slow donkey. I didn't get that. Could you try again? <laughs> All right, Siri, that's enough out of you. Oh boy. So you were asking what, what we've been up to. I mean, I, I just, for me, it's been more the same in Portland though, you know, just kind of like enjoying the protests out here, <laughs> like not enjoying them. That was a joke. It's, it's been really brutal downtown in Portland. Um, the weather has been fantastic. Uh, but you know, it's like, you got to look on the bright side with all this stuff going on and, and try and find ways to, I don't know, just return to some resemblance of like some kind of normal. And I don't know how you do that for, for us. It's like Dari and I, like on Friday nights, even though we don't leave the house, like we actually get dressed up, like we're going to go out to dinner. And I know that sounds cheesy, but it's like breaking that pajama routine is a big deal, you know? And like eating outside now is nice. Like we're, we have a backyard in Portland so we can go and eat outside, which is, is a huge change. Um, but yeah, how about, how about you guys? How is it? Um, what do, what have you been up to? Well, it's it's made a big difference, at least from my mental well being, uh, to move from a more urban environment to a very rural environment. To have access to uh, wilderness, got some muck boots for people who uh, are looking for some bushwhacking boots. Muck boots are amazing. Uh, sort of knee high boots that you can wear through mud and anything you might want to walk through. They're, they're not actually that suffocatingly hot for your feet. So I'll throw those on. I'll throw on the tick pants and uh, just hike for hours. And uh, there's so much land in so much of the US that you, if you're able to move yourself from point A to point B. And there are a lot of areas you know, outside of Austin, outside of a lot of major cities, LA, outside of New York City, where you can find space. That has been incredibly clearing for me. I also deleted all social apps from my phone four weeks ago. That's crazy. You know, I did that a couple months ago. Yeah, I did the same yeah. experiment, and I—it's been fantastic. Yeah, I have—I've—I have missed exactly nothing of great importance <laughs> that that I'm aware of. Meaning, I talk to friends. I will occasionally on laptop look at, say, things that are trending on Twitter that might be relevant to anything that I can affect positively, right? Or areas where I can mitigate risks or something like that. But the vast majority of news is going to make you either anxious or really pissed off. And if you're not prepared or able to take action on something that is within your sphere of control, it's really just creating energy leaks that will drain you. And I realized uh, somewhere between I'd say six and eight weeks ago, that I was extremely fatigued. I was very tired. And it was, I think, because I had so many stimuli in the form of different notifications or apps on my phone, social, et cetera, which were creating these powerful emotions 
without any ability to direct them towards something positive and actionable. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Dude, yes, and yes. so I've so I so I deleted them from my phone and talked to a lot of friends and uh, also will talk to members of my team, you know, employees. Uh, we do team calls uh, of various types and feel like the signal to noise ratio has improved so much since I did that. And I will occasionally, probably twice a week, look at at replies on mm. Twitter because my uh, listeners and readers are extremely helpful in helping me to find high signal articles or research studies yeah. that are really relevant to things they know I care about and focus on. But outside of that, it has been such a freeing experience. And I really feel like social by and large has been a huge net oh, negative. Dude, it's so crazy that we came to the same realization. Like a, a two, a couple months ago, I posted on Instagram my like final post saying I'm not going to be on here for a while, and the same thing with Twitter. And I removed all of them from my phone, uh, all the apps from my phone. I and I stopped looking at them all together. I have not been on Instagram since. Uh, it's been like you know at least a couple months, and I have gone back on Twitter because, like you, uh, well, two th- reasons. One, I. Some people communicate me with, with them there over DMs that I don't actually have their phone number. And so sometimes yep. there's important things that come through. And then also um, there is important stuff in terms of the research I do for my job and investing and in, on in tech companies and all that. Like it, it is a good source of that type of data. So, but I, I still kept it off my phone. So yep. it is a desktop only experience for me now. And I will tell you, you're right. Like the anxiety goes down a ton. The notifications to your device goes down and you don't realize... You know, it's funny. I don't know if you got this feeling, but the first like week I was opening my phone, I'd be like, oh, I wonder what's, oh wait, I don't have that app anymore. Did you yeah. like get that? Like a, like a few times you're like, oh, wait a second. I don't, I don't have that app. The other thing yeah. I did, which you might want to try, this is kind of, uh, and this is, this is just dumb stuff. If people are listening, like, don't like, I'm not trying to be holier than thou when I do this type of stuff. It's just like, it's, it's fun to do these little micro experiments. The other thing I did is I said, okay, how can I reduce the stress on my phone even more? And that would be uninstalling even more garbage that I don't use that might may or may not send me notifications. But with every app, there's like a micro mental burden somewhere buried in there of yeah. having just like one more thing to check or one more thing that is a potential uh, distraction. So I said, if I can't fit the apps on the homepage, I'm not going to have them on my phone. So no swiping sideways for more apps so basically, I have one Does that screen mean of apps. You just now. have folders with like seventy-five apps inside. I them? do have folders, <laughs> but here's the rule: with the folders, the folders cannot swipe sideways. So okay. I, I can only so that means a total of nine apps and folders. So basically, this is my my home screen right here, and so you can okay. see I just have oh, yeah, the apps in many. there. It's not I that like many. That. Now the bottom, the re- people are looking at the bottom. The bottom, the, I do have a, a, a screen that goes sideways that I put all the Apple utilities and crap that you kind of can't un- uninstall, like the Compass app and the Measure app and the calculator and like all that stuff in its own little side folder thing. But, but what that are the way, categories in those buckets and those okay, folders? So here's what I have. My categories are audio, which means for me that's Pocket Casts, Music App, and Spotify, Audible, Sonos for Home stuff, and Pandora. So that's good. Health, I have Waking Up. I have the Strong app, Dexcom, Aura, Less, um, Zero. 
uh, for learning all the, the language learning apps that I want to go back to and uh, Lumosity and Masterclass. Um, and then finance stuff. I have one screen of that, which is um, you know personal capital, Financial Times, Wall Street Journal, Wealthfront. Um, I like playing around with Clarity Money and Barons and Simplify. Um, and then I have home apps like Home Control. Now, Home means like I got a Traeger barbecue, which has been a fantastic addition this summer, by the way. So I also got a Traeger. That's really funny. <laughs> Shut up. Are you serious? Yeah. yeah. Which one did you get? Looks, looks like we're on uh, parallel tracks here. Uh, the the one that um, Timberline eight seventy. I got the. I actually did get the Timberline eight seventy. That's fucking crazy. That's the one I, I got. I did get that and. Uh, so I have that in Austin and at the undisclosed rural location, I have, I think it's a 650. So I got a slightly smaller one because I looked at the 870 and I was like, okay, know, maybe it is the, the 650 sheet, It's I like, have. you can cook, you can cook 20 chickens at one time. And I'm like, I don't need to cook 20 chickens at one time. So I got a smaller, smaller unit. No, I, maybe I did get a smaller unit as well. Uh, now you have me curious to see which one I got. It doesn't say on the app right away. Uh, I think it is the smaller of the the Timberline version, but anyway, that's a that's a great one. So last last one. So the home stuff has like things like that, where it's like you know Ring and Lutron and that stuff. And to uh, be clear, you have an app, you have a Traeger app, which helps you to control the grill, so you can check right. the temperature and so on and so forth. Yeah. So we, I just um, by the way, Wild Salmon is running and it's on sale right now. Um, but it's it's I've been smoking salmon like crazy. I've gone through six or seven different recipes. I finally found the perfect smoked salmon that I'll, I'll send you which one on the Traeger app. That is, it's fantastic. But Amazing. you, you got to let it cure 24 hours. That's the key. You got to let, it can't do any of these like little rubs where you do like four, two or four hours. You got to do a full 24 hour cure on it. Cool. But, uh, Amazing. Yeah, yeah. I've, been, I've been dialing in the Traeger like crazy. Just a quick thanks to one of our sponsors and we'll be right back to the show. This episode is brought to you by Dry Farm Wines. I'm a wine drinker. I love it. Love a few glasses over meals with friends. That said, I hate hangovers. It kills me often for multiple days. Right now, all of the wine in my house is from Dry Farm Wines. Also, for my last two book launch parties, all the wine has been from Dry Farm Wines. Why is that? Because in my personal experience, their wine means more fun with fewer headaches. Dry Farm Wines only ships wine that meet very stringent criteria. Close to sugar-free, so less than 0.15 grams per glass. Lower alcohol, less than 12.5% alcohol. Additive-free, there are more than 70 FDA-approved winemaking additives. The fewer, the better. In your wine, lower sulfites, organic, and produced by small family farms. All dry farm wines are laboratory-tested for purity standards by a certified independent enologist, and all of their wines are backed by a 100% happiness promise. They will either replace or refund any wine you don't love. Last but not least... I find delicious wines I never would have found otherwise. So it's a lot of fun, saves me time and research, and I have fewer headaches. Other fans of Dry Farm Wines include the incredible Dr. Dom D'Agostino, who's been on this podcast, very popular guest. You remember the guy who did a 10-day fast and then did 10 repetitions of deadlifts with 500 pounds? That guy. He drinks their wine even when on a ketogenic diet, which can work. Dry Farm Wines is offering you an extra bottle in your first box for a penny because it's alcohol. It can't be free. Find all the details and collect your wine at dryfarmwines.com slash Tim. Check it out, dryfarmwines.com slash Tim. And one more time, I love this stuff, dryfarmwines.com slash Tim. Yeah, I've been cooking uh, a lot 
period, right? We've been cooking a lot at home and cooking a lot of venison also. Uh, I don't know if, I don't know if you even know this, Kevin, but I ended up, uh, <laughs> you know, you definitely know you can, you can confirm this. I invest in very, very few things these days. And uh, about a year ago, I invested in a venison harvesting operation in Hawaii called the Maui Nui Venison. For those people who are not watching the video, Kevin is laughing. And really thought to myself, there's no way this is ever going to make any money, but I like the ethos and the principles behind it because axis deer are an invasive species in Hawaii. Uh, they've destroyed a lot of ecosystem. Uh, they've damaged or compromised coral reefs because of runoff uh, after removing vegetation. And uh, this operation harvests axis deer and they, they just approach it in such a thoughtful, such a surgical way and the meat is so incredibly good. Peter T is obsessed with this also, by the way. And which he and, and he's the one in a in a way who convinced me to combine the Traeger with this this Maui Nui venison. So the the leg medallions are better for cooking indoors, but rib racks, steaks, all of that are just incredible. And you've probably realized this on the Traeger that one of the benefits of having, and for people who don't know what the hell we're talking about, this is a Wood, this is a wood pellet fueled grill. You could also think of it as a smoker. And in a lot of ways, I tend to think of it more as a smoker than a grill because it you're is, not going to yeah. get, it's, it's more difficult to get, say, the searing on a burger in a tray. Yeah, there's no direct, direct flame. That's right. But, but if you cook ribs at super low temperature, like 165 or 185, you just get the most incredible flavor. Oh, yeah. I did. I did ribs last night. I did some heritage um, pork ribs. Uh, by the way, speaking of uh, trading, uh, like places to buy meat, um, have you used Crowd Cow at all? I've not used Crowd Cow. You know, there are a couple of these companies. I have used ButcherBox, which might be similar. I, I'm not sure. I don't know Crowd Cow. Yeah. So Crowd Cow is essentially what they've said is like, okay, there are you know a dozen or so, probably more amazing farms in the United States that are these like small, little, tiny mom and pop farms that don't really have way to get proper distribution online. First of all, they don't even know how to set up their own online you know site. And so let's go to them and and put them on our site. And it's only like the best, small, little, amazingly run farms. And also oh, okay. they work with Japanese farmers as well. So oh, they get cool. in some of the best Wagyu that I've ever had. A5 um, certified with all the holograms and everything on there. And they work with a couple really small farms out there. And that that's fun stuff. So do you choose, you then choose the farms you want to buy the meat from? You pick individually? Yeah, so you can do it. I think how they started was like you had to kind of put together a portion of a cow, like X number of pieces, and then you would save, right. like you're going in on a cow. Now it's like all, I think that's a feature in there somewhere, but now it's like all a la carte now. So you can just go, I just want yeah. some amazing ribeyes or I want a, a rack and like they're just right there ready to buy. Cool. Yeah, Butcher Box kind of mixes and matches and you get a membership. Uh, so I have pork and beef from them as well. Another one that is close to our long ago home in NorCal is Belcampo. I don't know if you've tried any of their stuff. No. Uh, Belcampo has 
incredible ribeyes. So those those are the two non-venison sources that I've I've been trying these days. But that's that's about it uh, as far as as meat goes. I've tried to really do a uh, take a less is not less is more, but like if you're gonna eat meat, like really do it in as thoughtful a way as possible. Uh, which I recognize is in a sense a luxury, right? I mean, it 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 is uh, because we have the the means to sort of explore some of these options, and some of them aren't cheap. Certainly, Traegers aren't cheap. Uh, Traegers but, aren't that expensive, man. They make ones that are further down the line that aren't the fancy, fancy ones that actually do a yeah. great job smoking. My buddy has one of the ones that you can buy at Costco, and it, oh, nice. it's 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 phenomenal. And they're they're not they're not crazy. I mean, they're not cheap, but they're not crazy crazy. We're not talking thousands of dollars or anything, you know. Yeah. So so I've been enjoying really paying attention to the fundamentals for me. Just hearkening back to what you said about us being in a pretty bad place, stressed out place. I mean, I was Mm -hmm. in a very anxious, stressed out place for a really long time. Uh, Once I kind of saw the the comet of COVID headed towards planet Earth slash United States since early February, right? So I've had this low grade or high grade anxiety for months. And eventually you just get fucking tired of the anxiety. So you want to figure out approaches to, to lessen it. And for me, it's, it's really been keep it simple, stupid, right? Eat good food, cook food, take time to prep. It's super meditative. If you're using a sharp knife, you got to pay attention or you're going to chop your little pretty fingers off. Uh, and uh, I've been doing HRV training, so heart rate variability training with breath work. Mm-hmm. And it's, the jury's still out. I've been doing that for five weeks, twice a day for 20 minutes. Can I ask what that ball. practice looks like? Yeah, it looks like using an app. I'm using one called Breath, or actually it has a very generic name, but uh, this is not to imply that it's the best app out there, but it's the one breathing. It's just called breathing. And it's a circle that opens and contracts to help you time the duration of your inhale and exhale. What is so it? What I, is the, um, the, the, you know, sometimes there's a four, seven, eight breath. There's five and a half seconds in, five and seconds This one out. is, I think I'm doing 3.7 second inhale and... 6.3 second exhale. And I arrived at that, or I didn't. I'm working with a doctor. I'm, I, I don't want to mention her name just yet, but I'm working with a, a PhD who sent me a kit, which includes a pulse oximeter, which you put on your thumb to track your pulse and heart rate. And, and then- and Blood ox as well, right? And blood ox, although she, I think we're looking less at that and then a, a, resp- a respiration strap. So it looks like basically a bra that you put on uh, under your nip-nips and uh, well, it would be just above your navel. And as you breathe and it expands, there are sensors that track that. And so you can correlate and superimpose your breathing on your heart rate. And she would then take me through, we would, we would use Zoom, share screen, and she would take me through different exercises to identify which duration of inhale and exhale seemed optimal for me in terms of activating my sympathetic, I'm sorry, my parasympathetic mm-hmm. nervous system. So more, more of a autonomous relaxation response. And if people have trouble separating the two, so sympathetic, you can think of stimulating, S equals stimulating, sympathetic, like fight or flight, fight, flight, freeze. 
It's not quite that simple, but it's a useful shorthand. And then parasympathetic would be uh, more of the letting go, calming. And I have incredible hypervigilance. I mean, uh, I don't think we're going to get into it today, but it's a lot of gnarly stuff happened to me as a kid. And my system, well, as she would put it, I am cardiac hyperreactive. So little things will send my heart rate shooting to the ceiling and then my heart rate will stay elevated for hours. And mm. and uh, that's part of the reason. To the tune that, of what? Like what, 90 beats a minute? Like not crazy. Yeah, 80 to, 80 to 90. But that's, I mean, if we're, if we're talking like six, seven hours, that's a long time. No, I was worried you're going to tell me something worse, but yeah, that is, that is, yeah. that's like, you know, that you probably should be walking the dog at that rate. You know what I mean? Like that's yeah. not just sitting there that yeah. that is elevated. Yeah. And you know, fatigue has been this lifelong battle of mine since I would say age 16, 17, especially with Lyme disease on Long Island and all of these und- undiagnosed Lyme and then later diagnosed, which is how I, now that people are familiar with serologic testing, you know, I, I, I was tested with when I, when I was suffering acute symptoms and they said, well, you're positive for the short-term antibodies, but you realize you've already had Lyme disease because you're testing positive for the long-term as well. And uh, so I've really tried in the last, my dog's pacing all over the place. You can, you can see, where is she? Where are you, Molly? Hiding behind me? There she is. You can kind of see her, but I think she has to pee. I might have to take a little break to let her out. But uh, long story short, this this fatigue is like my battle, right? It's like without sufficient energy, you you really can't execute well on anything else. Mm-hmm. And by execute well, I would include like relaxing and enjoying yourself, right? Yeah. Like if the tank is empty, the tank is empty. So the fundamentals, the food the HRV slash meditation, all these things have been focused on identifying like cracks in the vessel where I'm leaking energy. Mm-hmm. And so, so a lot of those I've found to be really helpful, right? Like the jumping rope, I'm not talking about like 10 rounds of jumping rope. I'm not Mike Tyson getting back into shape to to try to lop Roy Jones Jr.'s head off. I'm talking about like three to five minutes jumping rope first thing in the morning just to get outside, to make sure I get outside into some sun, ideally, and move my body. That's it. And if people are interested in the the intersection and the interplay between exercise and the brain and brain health mm. and brain neurotrophic or brain-derived neurotrophic factor yeah, and all these various yeah. things, BDNF. There's a book called Spark that gets into this. But if you want to get out of your monkey mind, at least for me, one of the fastest ways is through the body. And it doesn't take a lot. It really doesn't take a lot. Get outside, walk for a few minutes, jump rope for three to five minutes, and then go back inside. Um, So those are a few of the things I've been doing. I don't know if, if you found any routines or other practices helpful. Yeah, you know it's it's funny. Um, I've just now recently started getting back into meditation, but in a in a different way. You know, before I had done um, Sam's course, you know, which I think that you've done as well. Uh, Sam yeah. Harris, his waking up app. Uh, so, are, are you still doing the the tantric self pleasuring meditation that you told me about? The one that you zoom with me on. <laughs> yeah, we're we're still doing that. Wednesdays, that's, that's, that's Wednesdays, every Tuesday. Yeah, every, yeah exactly. <laughs> Um, 
No, no, this is uh it's it's interesting. I I was um I was on Sam's app and this was uh a, a several weeks ago and I saw that there was a new course on there by Henry Shookman who is a um he practices uh a, a certain lineage of Zen and he's based out of um uh where is he based out? Not Arizona, but um New Mexico. And he just had uh, these beautiful 10 minute meditations on these Zen koans. Do you know much about Zen koans? Yeah. Yeah. Paradoxical sort of statements or parables that are intended to, as I understand it, intended to derail the rational mind, right? To right. sort of sideline the rational mind. So, like, what is the sound of one hand clapping type of stuff? Right. And they, they're these beautiful little. Uh, unsolvable riddles, you know that that pe- yep. that that are part of the practice, and that they will meditate with them and on them, um, and then take back their kind of insights that are gathered from these uh, over time back to their teachers. And it's kind of like a uh, you know you t- talk them through with your teacher. There is no real answer to them. But they're used as they're very difficult to, to describe. But they're they're used as a part of the the Zen training. And so I had was very fortunate to reach out to Sam and Sam introduced me to Henry and Henry um, has since come on my podcast and he had a, uh, a book that um, he recently published called One Blade of Grass um, by Henry Shookman. I'm just pulling it up right now. It's on Amazon. Fantastic book that talks about, it's bas- basically a, a biography of his life and he talks about all the struggles that he faced, he had severe eczema all over his body where he was like hospitalized, bleeding knuckles, like really bad for, for decades. How do you spell uh, his last name? Uh, his last name is spelled S-H-U-K-M-A-N. Got it. Thanks. And, and so, yeah, he's, a, he's this fantastic Zen master. And I, 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 um, I read his book and he talks about his path to these stages of enlightenment and how he was able to slowly over time, he was one of these people that had a very early experience and didn't even know how to put into words what had happened to him because he wasn't training at the time. Uh, And then later went into Zen and had other experiences. And then all the way through to today where he describes the falling away of basically of everything, the, 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 just everything falls away at some point uh, during this training. And it's a beautiful story on Zen and really just um, reemphasized to me that, that, I mean, he's, he's, you know, had a career as a writer and he was uh, an award-winning poet and, you know, Oxford trained, um, very busy, productive human wife, two children, and has still been able to go off and obtain these uh, very deep life. Uh, well, he's now kind of flipped onto the side of the, they're lasting now. The changes are lasting versus going back to reality after a couple of weeks. Um, fascinating story, but also just one where I, I, by the end of the book, I was like, I need to get back into Zen. Like, because I, 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 I don't, I've told you at some point, you knew I, you used to come over to my house when I live right next to the Zen Center. But my, my first training uh, in San Francisco was at that Zen Center. Um, and then I, I fell away from it because I didn't really take it seriously. But uh, yeah, so Henry's going to help me really get back into Zen. And he's, uh, I'm, I'm excited to, to go to, he has the Mountain Cloud Zen Center that he runs. 
And uh, I'm going to be taking some courses there. And, and I really want to take this seriously. I figure I'm in my 40s now. It's time to devote a, a decent percentage of my life to this type of training. Like I, I feel like it's, it's time. I'd love to hear you elaborate on that because I know you've, you've tried all sorts of different types of meditation. Uh, still interested to know if you recommend the surrender course by mm, I do Michael Singer Michael Singer but you you have you've explored these various tools and modalities what is it about zen that differentiates it for you or that you find attractive right because you could you could reach out to or get a hold of your one of your magic powers is getting hold, getting hold of anybody basically you want to get a hold of why zen what is it ah <sighs> i would say that when I first took my the when I first took the introductory course to Zen, I appreciated the mystery behind it in some sense. So I was attracted to how it could be a strict discipline in in some ways. Like yeah. you know, like kind of one of these things where you show up for Zazen, and if you're not there. The second you're supposed to be there, they'll keep you up from coming in and you're, you're rejected. Or if you want to train and, and actually set up a residence there, like you have to prove it by sleeping outside for like two months. Like all these stories that you hear yeah. that Henry actually be, talks about be, in his book. can be super hardcore or like you let you go to the Zazen uh, room and you're, you're separated by these like cubicle walls, right? And so you're, you're sitting in Zazen, this like seated meditation with your face about a foot and a half away from a wooden wall. And then if you start to nod off, they might hit you with a little wooden switch. Right. Things like <laughs> exactly. that. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, I, I kind of, I was initially attracted to that. Now Henry's discipline that he's into, uh, that he's teaching is, is a little bit more laid back, which I, which I can appreciate. Cause this is like, you know, when you're going to, 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 you had to enter with your right foot when you're entering into to sit. Like you have to enter into the room the correct, correct way. You can't cross over the mat in the wrong way. Like there's all these rules, right? Too many rules. But it's also was, very Japanese. <laughs> but but I, I, it is very Japanese, which I you know we all both of us really love. Um, but the one thing I will say about Zen and is that in a especially with the way that Henry has been teaching, at least that, that I gather through his book and and through our conversation is that they're, they make enlightenment less mysterious and less about being a perfect person and making it actually seem like it's something that is attainable by everyone. And it doesn't have to mean that you're this ultimate spiritual guru the second you snap into these different states of, states of consciousness. And that there are these really beautiful moments when people have this flip like this flip in their brain, this switch that goes, and then they're, they're jolted, almost shocked into this, this state of consciousness. Like sometimes, like there's these stories of these Zen masters where they'll look at a student the right way and the, the student won't grasp it and the student can't, they've been, they've been teaching and sitting and they just can't, and they'll just shake them in a certain way and it'll spontaneously jolt them in the right way into enlightenment. And there's these, these funky little things like that that are just like, beautiful stories. And like, you know, you always take a lot of that stuff with a grain of salt, but coupled with this Koan training, which I, which I highly recommend listening to on, on the waking up app. They're, they're fantastic by Henry. Um, it, it just, it's, it checks all the boxes that I'm curious about. And I think yeah. for me, the curiosity at this point 
is the most important thing because it's encouraging me and it gives me the drive to go and sit for a half hour every morning consistently. And, you know, that's what it's going to take. It's going to take a real dedication. And I, I think that if I can get the proper uh, training coupled with these koans and uh, I, I don't know, just I, I've, I've done the transcendental meditation. I've done a, a few other disciplines and this one for some reason um, maybe it's cause I'm a Japanophile. Like I don't know all the reasons, but I I'm, I'm attracted to it. Cool. Do you know what the training is going to look like and what the meditation sessions are going to look like? Yeah. I mean, they're very simple. You just sit. So okay. it's, it's <laughs> like, <laughs> what ha- I'm more interested in what, ha- what happens inside the head. So you sit, maybe you shave your head. I would love to see you with a shaved head. That'd be hilarious. Uh, so we like can baked be, kind of thing. Yeah, we can we can be brothers. we can be cue balls together. <laughs> yeah, uh, get you some black robes with some some white inner linings. Be good. Good luck for you. Uh, you kind of already have that look. You got. I was going to say you see me with robes on. We've been in robes <laughs> together in Japan. <laughs> you already got that one aced. But okay, you sit and then what? What happens on the inside? Well, so I think there's a, there's a few things. One, um, the question initially is. There is, there's kind of table stakes to, to play in the arena. And I would say like to, to even get to that point, um, at least for, for me, when I've, what I've been told and what I can gather, and I'm, I'm, I'm saying this as someone that is a well, pretty new novice to this new sect of Zen, um, it's just sitting and, and trying to quiet the mind, you know, and that means counting meditations, um, you know, counting to 10 and repeating yourself, uh, following the breath, uh, it's, it's that classic Zen posture of looking at the wall, not closing your eyes, kind of glancing somewhat downward towards the ground with a, a fuzzy awareness of everything going on in the room, but no strict focus on any one object. It's saying to yourself, a thought, a distraction, it's okay. It is, uh, the weights in a gym it is what I need to get to the next like level of, of, of this. And so, not getting upset and and getting the mind to where it's a little bit malleable and kind of getting to that place where the the sits are becoming uh, longer in duration, but also the mind is calming down a bit. I think Henry said it best in his book. Actually, this is a I'm going to butcher it, but I'll, I'll I'll tell you the gist of it. He said that Zen is like pulling the plug, being a a boat in a bathtub and pulling the plug of the drain. And initially, you kind of just notice a little bit of swirling, a little bit of like movement of the boat. And then you look around and you see the walls of the bathtub are a little bit higher. And you're like, oh, that's odd. And then you notice a little bit more movement. And all of a sudden, you start to twist. And then all of a sudden, you notice that there's a swirl going down the drain. And then there is the total annihilation of all things. And that's where you're headed. But you don't. But you have to sit at the the surface for a while and just kind of like you know slowly realize that even though you're not feeling it, the daily practice is unplugging the drain, and and you will eventually get there. So That's I'm a terrifying. At the point where, That's a terrifying description. Oh, dude, wait till you read his book. His description of his last tranche of this passing into this, I think you would actually really like it because it reminds me of a lot of our conversations that you have had around like ayahuasca and some of the ego, yeah. uh, ego just death. disintegrating and controlled, controlled death, yeah, controlled experience. death. And he's getting that without any drugs, man, just like intense, like multi-day meditation kind of things that, that happen. You know, for, for 
I guess a lot of reasons. I think that scares me more because with <laughs> with the tea, you're like, all right, I'm going to go to crazy town for four to six hours earth time. And then I'll be back to some semblance of like normal computation and absorption of what we call reality. But with the Zen practice, with that description, it's it's almost like a slow motion psychotic break yes. that you've engineered for yourself. And that scares the living fuck out of me. So that's because I don't know how to back out of that. I don't you know can't. how to Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> You can't. That's the thing that's crazy, dude. I was when you read this book and you get to that point, I'm freaked out by this because when you go there, all of a sudden you're viewing the world as an illusion, as a completely different thing than you ever had before, and there's no going back. What does Daria think about this? Is she She's, supportive? Yeah, she listened to my interview with him when I did the oh, okay. podcast, and she was like, "Yeah, he sounds amazing, and this is this is the path you want to go." Like, I, I support it. I mean, I, I don't think she's not, not like, worried about you. Like, I don't know, wearing your shirt backwards and picking at navel lint and like staring blankly at like the wall. You, you this, have this. to you have you have to listen to his, his post analysis of what happened because he wrote the book okay. after all this happened. And I'd be curious to know if you would enjoy this world. I think you would. It sounds beautiful. <laughs> like every moment is anew and just glistening. And it, there's so much. It's, it's fascinating. I'm, I'm going to butcher think, it all. I think much like you with me and my various uh, psychedelic experiments, of which there are now many, 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 many. Thousands let now, me, I think, for you. It's, it's a lot. And uh, I, you've kind of <laughs> let me be the guinea pig. I think I'll let you be the first monkey shot into space on this slow motion engineered psychotic break. I'll let you, tell me how that goes. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> here, that's here the, to support. <laughs> I, I think, well, it's not like you're going to see me in six months and like we're, I'm just going to be levitating. Like this is going to be like a, if I, if I do it correctly, this is going to be like a 30 year kind of journey, you know, to get to these, yeah. these places or, you know, who knows? There's no, there's no pinning a, a date unless on. He sh unless he, unless he, like grabs you by your ears and shakes your head and gives you the the Highlander quickening like you were describing. <laughs> I'd love that actually. <laughs> <laughs> Grab you by your eyebrows and bite your fucking upper lip and like throw yeah. your throw you off your chair. Sounds great. <laughs> That's exciting. Yeah, you should you should check out his book, One Blade of Grass. I highly recommend it to anyone listening. It's it's a fun audible. He has a fantastic, uh, you know, British voice. He's from the UK, so his um, his audio book is 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 fun is a fun listen. You know, yeah, the the British accent gives you an automatic plus twenty points of IQ. Oh, a hundred percent. At least for um, <laughs> at least for any Yanks listening to it, my God, such a such an upgrade. Uh, you know, I wanted to to thank you for something you introduced me to, actually, uh, because I've been consuming a ton of it. You remember when you gave me some peak uh, tea? The, yes. The P-I-Q-U-E, for anyone wondering. N not inexpensive, but their powdered pu'er I've actually been having almost every morning uh, for the last while. And it's fantastic. I've been having that usually before I do. So the, the sequence for me would be wake up, immediately do the breathwork HRV meditation for 20 minutes, then heat the water to like 170, uh, 
pr- pretty low temperature just because I, I, I don't like continually burning the fuck out of my mouth when I forget how hot something is in an insulated mug. And then putting in the peak uh, pu'er with, uh, I don't know if you've ever tried layered superfood creamer, the unsweetened stuff. It's basically powdered MCT oil is one way to mm. think about it. And uh, I've been fasting, well, if people consider it fasting, I've been semi-fasting until late lunch a lot recently. And so I'll have that and then go into the, say, jump rope and so on. But uh, the, the peak is, uh, it's really good. It took me a while to get into, but I it, appreciate you in- introducing me to that. It's funny because um, <laughs> I, I, I never know, like sometimes I'll reach out to you, but like, anytime you plug me as someone that can get you stuff, on your on podcasts and stuff like that, all of a sudden, Wait, when like, do I plug you? No, as I'm somebody just saying, like, get... well, like, every once in a while, we'll do a podcast together, and you'll be like, "Oh, dude, thanks for that recommendation." Blah, blah. And then, like, a week later, a hundred <laughs> random emails. Hey, I, I had this like ball massager. Can you get it to Tim? Like, he would love it. Blah blah. blah. And I'm just like, everybody comes out and be like, give it. To... It's and so I'm I'm like you're like basically I try all the shit, and then the good stuff I pass on to you. So well, I, I appreciate, appreciate that, you trying the tea. Thank that, you. The Peak is a, a cool company. I met with um with with the founder and we were chatting about um how he creates some of this stuff because they the the thing that's unique about it is that you know so many times like tea as you know is like you, you steep it and you discard the leaves when you're done. They um steep it, crystallize it through this like crazy process, and then they make a instant. So it's like you can just pour it in. You don't have to yeah. think about. It. You don't have it's to like, think about it's oversteeping like, it, it. It's it's like if you took every tea and made it into matcha, right? Like, right. Exactly. Basically. Yeah. yeah. And so it's uh it's really easy to consume and you you can't screw it up, which is a lot of people oversteep their tea and they're like, a tea is so bitter. It's so, you know, and it's like, no, it's not weird and astringent. It's just that you've oversteeped it. That's the main yeah. complaint. Um, but anyway, yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, they they do they do quality stuff. I'm I'm glad you got I'm glad you're enjoying it. Yeah. What uh what else is what else is new in your world, man? Oh gosh, I would say new stuff that I'm into. Um well I've got boring stuff. Like I'm getting into salmon fishing. That's gonna be next. Oh, year. I've got one. I've got one. Let's hear it. Uh I don't you're the app guy. I'm the idiot who's like, you know, in, in 2022, I'm like, I found this app called WhatsApp. It's really great. And you're like, oh boy, here we go. Yeah. So <laughs> I am I am pretty slow on the uptake when it comes to apps, but I did find one because I was, I, as I mentioned, doing a lot of hiking, have been doing a lot of hiking, and uh, I'm in a very rural area. I don't want to wander onto somebody's property and have somebody like come outside with a shotgun and be like, hey, what the hell are you doing on my property? And I also just want to be respectful, right? I don't want people showing up at my house. Uh, but I, I really wasn't sure how to identify property boundaries. And uh, I've, I met someone who hunts locally and introduced me to something called the OnX hunting app. And it's just O-N-X. And OnX hunt is the app. And I'm not going to necessarily use this for hunting, but what it allows you to do, and they give you the premium features for free for seven days, which is super, super smart. If, if they're actually listening to this, I, would, I think they would get such better conversion 
and probably increase their revenue 40, 50%, at least from this particular app, if they had an onboarding process, which they don't, right? There's no automatic tutorial that I saw, which meant I had to kind of fumble and go find online FAQs and figure it out. But the OnX Hunt app allows you to see property boundaries. It allows you to hit track and track yourself as you hike. So maybe similar to a Strava in that sense. Mm-hmm. But in this particular case, it's for, it's for wilderness. You can save maps offline so you can use them when you don't have reception. You can look at topographical view, satellite view, or combinations. You can take photographs. So for instance, if I find something of interest uh, and I want to share that with someone, I can take a photograph, geotag it, and then just share it with someone else who's on the app. And this is cool. It's awesome. It actually also covers uh, phishing as well, which is great. Yeah. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's an extremely, extremely cool app. Uh, so I've, uh, been using that on a pretty much daily basis and it and um, really really enjoying it. and who knows maybe i will use it for hunting i don't hunt much i do it pretty infrequently but uh if i were to travel to say hawaii to hunt axis deer which maybe at some point i will it's not not particularly easy to do i don't even know if i could get permission to do it but i would use something like this so that i could see how much mileage i'm covering where i was where i went perhaps we go on a scouting trip uh, during non-hunt hours or on a non-hunt day. And I could take photographs of particular locations that I think might be ideal mm-hmm. and save those. And then I can go back and review that. Uh, so I've been, I've been loving it. That's, that's, that's an app that might not otherwise come across your radar that uh, you might get a kick out of playing with. It's cool. Yeah, it looks awesome. I, I'll definitely give that a shot given how many hiking trails there are here uh, you know, in Portland. There's just so many hundreds of miles of hiking trails just right in the city, which is crazy. Yeah. Um, so I, you asked me what I'm into lately. Actually, I do have one thing I haven't told you about. Um, you know, I've been... I, I think that l- lately I've put on some weight and I have been able to shed it back off through intermittent fasting. Um, and then also, you know, doing a lot of cardio and things like that. But how do you typically, what's, what's your intermittent fasting look like? Just real quick. Uh, 18 hours a day. If I'm in, if I'm in lean mode, like if I want to get lean 18 hours a day, if not at a minimum 14, I think that's when a lot of the the data. I have a a friend uh, out of um, UC San Diego. She works with Longo out there, and she said that the. I was just talking to her like a week ago, and she said fourteen hours is what she does, and that's where a lot of the data looks really promising in terms of just like some of the longevity benefits. So I think if you're going to do it every you're single day, eating from what like between what hour and what hour? I, well, I, I just basically when I use zero, obviously uh, <laughs> the fasting yeah. app, and uh, <laughs> you know when I when I'm done eating dinner, so it's are with the kids and putting them down and all that stuff. You never know when you're going to actually finish your last bite. So whenever I'm done, I just hit start. And whenever, you know, it tells me to eat again, then I, then I eat. Um, okay. uh, but it's 14 hours after I finish my last bite basically. Yeah. Cool. And so when I'm doing 18 hours, you know, sometimes I'm eating a late dinner and like that I'm not eating till one thirty, two o'clock the next day, you yep. know, which is, which is a little brutal, but it's okay. I just have black coffee and I'm totally fine. Um, but to, to, uh, I actually, the, the point I was, was going to, or what I was going to chat about is that 
in choosing my alcohol and alcohol consumption, especially during COVID, there was like this period there where like March, April, I was like, we're all going to die. I'm just going to get drunk the entire time. You know, I'm just going oh, to- I remember that. Every time I talk to you, you're like, hey, <laughs> no, Dardar was, says whatever. I'm five glasses in. How the fuck are you? I'm like, I didn't right. say I didn't say five glasses, but I was definitely three. <laughs> you know, it's like, but it was, you know, we, were, we, we didn't know what was going to happen and it was kind of I freaky know, and it's like, might as well open the good stuff, you know? Yeah. So, um, in, in my t- cutting back and focusing more on health, what I've decided to do, and this is kind of a crazy thing, is like, okay, wine can get nutso. Like you, a really nice bottle of wine can be thousands of dollars for like crazy wines, right? Like nobody wants to do that. I mean, some people, I guess, want to do that, but not on a regular basis. So what I was thinking is, why not go? I went to Beer Advocate and I went to their top 100 beers and I've been slowly finding and buying the top 10 rated beers in the world and then trying them, like just to consume. Like if you ever had the number one rated beer in the world, I hadn't. What and is it? It's right here. It's, uh, it's called the uh, um, Kentucky Breakfast Stout. And it is uh, from Topping, Toppling Goliath. Here, let me show you what it looks like. One sec, since we have video. All right. So out of the, the top uh, beers of the world, I would say out of the top 10, um, probably seven or eight of them are stouts. So it's like the thick, dark, rich, funky, slow sip type stuff. Oh, look at so, that. so look at no, the I'm wax melt on the top of oh, that. That's cool. Now who- And they're hand numbered. 233. So you, you said beer advocate. I know nothing about beer. So Beer Advocate actually, has like their, their top- Just top, like some guy in, named Tony in Newark, New Jersey who's rating no, these? Or who, I, I think it's community-based and, and they, they have a lot, of, a lot of the pros and stuff go on there that are really into this. But, but this Kentucky Brunch Stout um, by Toppling Goliath, it's, so the vintage is 2016. So they aged these like wine. Because huh. they are so dense, you can just basically put them uh, in you know, the wine cellar and let them sit for a decade or longer. And then they wow. really mellow out over time. Um, so I just, I picked this up. I found it. I found a great site actually, by the way, I'm giving away all my best links, but the, people need to know about this because it's a fantastic <laughs> site. Um, my favorite place to buy aftermarket beer, and I've done a lot of research on this, uh, is mybeercollectibles.com. So now you say aftermarket, it makes it sound like you're buying a spoiler for your <laughs> Miata or something. What does that mean? So what that means is, you know, this is bottle number 233. Maybe they made 500 bottles in this year. So it's impossible to find that. You can't buy it new. You just can't buy it. I got it. So the site you mentioned is like the eBay of beer. It's the eBay of beer. And so you can get Pliny the Elder on there. This one I got on there too. This is called the SR71 by the same manufacturer. This one's ranked like number 12 or something like that. It's got, you can't see it, but there's like a little Blackbird stealth bomber on there. Uh, or not itself, but it's SR71 actually. And then all the ingredients and everything are written in binary on the side. <laughs> it's so, it's, these are so cool. They're like culty okay. little fun beers. So you, you gave a price anchor on the wines, right? Thousands of dollars. Yeah. You can go, I mean, tens of thousands, probably hundreds of thousands, right? I mean, get, wine gets super, super crazy. So what, what does one of these very well-ranked beers go? Okay, so let me give you, it, it's wide ranging. So for example, I got um, 
some of them that can't be aged, you have to drink them fresh. So like there's a, the number one ranked IPA, or I think it's the number two ranked IPA in the world is called um, the Julius by a brand called Treehouse. Okay. So the Julius, King Julius by Treehouse right now, a four pack on this site is going for $39.99. And that's, oh, that's the amazing. number one or, or number two ranked uh, IPA in the world. That's so cool. How fun. What was yeah. the name of the site again that you mentioned? mybeercollectibles.com. That's such a great URL. <laughs> yeah, it's like it's such a janky site, but like they've got a lot of great great beers on here. It's on GeoCities. Oh yeah. man. <laughs> That's cool. That's super cool. Yeah, the the affordable vices, right? There are certain things where you can get the best in the country or the best in the world for less than 50 bucks. Right? I mean, yeah. there are certain categories of thing where you can go very high end. I mean, I, I think really good chocolate would be an example of that. Mm -hmm. right? If you really wanted to have a treat, I mean, you don't necessarily have to break the bank to do that. But if you're like, oh, I want to get the fanciest car, the fanciest boat, the fanciest wine, I mean, you better have in inexhaustible funds or you're screwed. Uh, and you know, at the end of the day, if you think about it too, it's like that stuff ages really poorly, right? Yeah. The, the, those types of, and uh, neither of us collect that kind of stuff, but if, if you, if you think of, we know people who do, and it's like four weeks after they've bought something, it loses its luster for most. And, uh, instead, if you have this, uh, in the cases we're talking about, right, the beer or the the chocolate, there's a there's something really special about the perishable nature of it, mm -hmm. and it's it's an experience, right? Well, that's that, the key, right? The exp it's an ex experience, like that's what's been linked to happiness is like actually having experiences with friends and like this is sharing something like that, right? Yeah, it's great. Cool, love it, I love it. Oh, I, I don't I don't have anything. I don't have any big ones on my on my list or anything that's coming to mind. One thing I want to ask you before we wrap, uh, yeah. I don't know if you'll share this actually. Uh, oh you may not, we might have to cut it. But um, what are you, so the stock market is so freaking crazy right now. Yeah, like gold, it is. Gold is going up and individual stocks are going up. And I'm like, well, yeah. what? that doesn't make sense. Like, wh what are you doing? Like, what's the Tim Ferriss uh, four-hour finance uh, version of this. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy. Yeah. Be careful, everybody. Earmuffs, earmuffs, cover your ears. Uh, I'll tell you what I've, I can tell you what I've done. Yeah. What are and, you doing? And, and it's not so much doing, it's more what I've done. And the, I'm glad you asked this because I recently turned 43 and a while back, I, I, spoke with my parents, looked at the genealogy, asked a lot of questions and determined that the average age of death of males on both sides of my family, if you adjust for some outliers, is 85. So 43 puts me past the half mile mark, right? And hopefully I live until 120, but I've also lived aggressively, right? So mm -hmm. my system's taken a beating and I don't assume I'm gonna live that long. So I've been doing a lot of introspection and this birthday hit me kind of hard. Usually age, I'm just like, ah, whatever, it doesn't matter. But crossing past that 50% mark hit me unusually. 
And I've been doing a lot of journaling, a lot of thinking. And I realized that number one, and you've seen this over the years, like I don't have a high burn lifestyle, right? Like I don't, I don't buy lots of stuff. Uh, and like if I have a, the ability to hike with my dog, my dog and my girlfriend are happy and healthy and, you know, occasionally I'll splurge on nice food or something, but I don't, I don't really, you're not a flashy guy. Like I've never seen you with a yeah. sports car. I've never seen you with uh, a fancy watch. I've seen you with fancy horse saddles. <laughs> that's the only thing okay, i've seen you that's true on. that's true the only that was like probably the first time i ever splurged people think that he's joking he's not actually joking so for the for the four-hour body because i killed myself on that book in more ways than one and i was super proud of it and i made a promise to myself because i very rarely celebrated and that's that's been a weakness of mine as i don't celebrate right? I'm very hard on myself and I feel like you become, well, the story I've told myself for a long time is you become complacent if you over-congratulate yourself. So I tend to really not pause and smell the roses, so to speak. Not you guys, the other roses. And smell you guys too, though. And (laughs) and, uh, so celebrate has been this, this kind of word of the year for many years for me. And when I finished writing The 4-Hour Body, I promised myself if it hit number one New York Times that I would... Horse saddles. Well, I didn't think about the horse saddles (laughs) specifically, but I said I'll get something special for myself that relates to Japan because I used to live in Japan. I have this deep love for for Japan and the Japanese people. And uh, I had around the same time, maybe a little bit afterwards, you might remember this, I did a, a, a TV show pilot where I went to Japan and attempted to learn horseback archery in one week. And I'm pretty sure you can find it online. If you go on YouTube and search trial by fire, you might be able to find it. It's wild and it's fucking dangerous as hell. So I did that and I had, I had been thinking maybe I'll get a sword, maybe I'll get some type of armor. And then I thought to myself, actually, because I had this experience, I'd really like to, to get uh, either a saddle or stirrups of some type. Initially, I was just looking for stirrups because I thought they'd be cheaper and just easier to deal with and ended up finding a beautiful wooden carved saddle. So I do have a Japanese saddle, uh, which at the end of the day wasn't that expensive. But for me, it was it was like the one of the first times I've ever treated myself to anything. So yes, aside from all that, and uh, so to, to to zoom out back to the, the question about investing, I realized when I was journaling around my birthday that uh, thinking about money generally does not make me happy. It makes me more anxious. And at the same time, I feel like I'm pretty good at, because I'm hyper-analytical and over-analytical, you might say, like I'm pretty good at futzing around and optimizing. But that the optimizing at this point in my life, like I've figured out a lot of things that make me happy. I've figured out a lot of things that don't make me happy. Uh, and most of the things that make me happy don't require a lot of capital. So this is just a long way of saying I decided that I wanted to make all of my investing decisions or like money decisions uh, by my birthday. It didn't quite work out. So I gave myself a grace period to, uh, uh, to the 1st of August and then to take a six to 12 month break on all of that stuff. 
Meaning like I'm not allowed to consider new deals. I'm not allowed to look at stocks. I'm not allowed to do any of that stuff. And uh, so now I'm glad I'm saying it publicly because I want to make myself accountable. Uh, so I'll tell you what I did. Uh, it's pretty simple. Uh, I've, I've thought about, and it's been made more complex, as you said, because it's Alice in Wonderland in the markets right now. Like stuff yeah. is happening that just by any kind of rational prediction pre-COVID just should not be happening. There's all sorts of weird stuff. And then I'm not sure what's happening right now, but certainly previously you had the, the Fed buying high yield bonds, like all this stuff that was off the playbook. And the, there's such a dislocation between the market and the economic reality of millions of people in the United States, I mean, tens of millions, the entire, the entire country for that matter, that I, I, I only wanted to put money in places where I felt I had some informational advantage or not just in my head, but like in my heart and gut, just had some conviction that I couldn't quite explain. Does that make sense? Where I'm yeah. just like, this feels like it makes all the sense in the world. And I don't have that very much. So just to be clear to people, I'm not one of those people who, who uh, uses the word intuition as justification for lots of haphazard shit. That's just not me. Uh, but you, know, you and I, I think as a way, honestly, to kind of distract us from the stress and uncertainty, uh, at least in my case, like talked about quite a bit of investing stuff over the last few months, but we haven't talked in maybe the last... I don't know, two months about this stuff. And, you know, you had some predictions uh, that I think turned out really well. I don't know if, you, if you're open to talking about them, but like Peloton, right? Where I thought maybe that was already baked in. So I was like, ah, you know, like I, I'm not going to buy a bunch of different things from Peloton. I don't have enough room. I do have one bike and I love the bike, but I'm, I'm not going to buy a bunch. They've ended up doing really well, at least last I saw. So the, the question I asked myself was, which companies, if we're talking about the stock market, right? Because I don't think it helps people if we talk about more esoteric stuff like distressed debt or, you know, SPACs or like weird stuff that most people aren't going to have access to. But when I looked at the stock market, because my biggest, uh, I would say my most, my highest conviction bets have been in the in the stock market, which you know is crazy for me. I don't play in that sandbox. You do that all the time. Uh, but I, 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 I just asked myself, like, this was around mid-March. And I listened to an interview with Chamath. I can never say his last name. Uh, but uh, interview on investing and sort of his framework for looking at different investments. And it, it catalyzed a bunch of questions for me. Some were the same questions he had listed out. I put, I, I put this interview in Five Bullet Friday, the newsletter that I put out. So uh, I think the interviewer was Pomp, is his nickname, or Pompliano? Yeah. I think we both talked about this podcast together. Maybe yeah. I sent it to you. I don't know. Maybe you you might have sent it to me. So, yeah, There's a like very that. good chance that you sent it to me. I mean, this is the kind of thing that you would send to me. So everybody listening, send your interviews to Kevin. <laughs> uh, uh, and uh, I began to wonder which companies, technology companies, 
would do extremely well if COVID were protracted or if COVID were somehow magically resolved in three months. Like which companies would benefit from a short period of dramatic online acceleration, even if it ended in three months, and especially if it continued for a year, year and a half. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, at, and at the same time, I was, I was looking closely at other countries like China, where I might be getting the numbers wrong, but there's something like 79% all e-commerce and we're 17, something like yeah. that. And this is a lot, lot of room of my, to grow. Yeah. A lot of room to grow. And I wasn't trying to do any fancy spreadsheet analysis. And I know people are going to say, well, then you're speculating. And there, there might be some truth to that. But I only really considered a handful of companies. And I ended up deciding this is when, uh, and I can tell you what the prices were too. So Amazon at about 2000 and uh, Shopify at about 380 per share. And this would have been in very, I, th- I want to say early April, but some point in April. And I decided to, initially I was looking at a bunch of different companies. And what I decided for myself was that if I, if, if I was dividing my bets because I had low conviction, I shouldn't put money into any of those bets. And I'm not saying that's the right approach, but that logic made sense to me. And I said, all right, I have high conviction around Amazon and Shopify. And if one dominates the other, then you know, perhaps I still break even, right? But what I noticed was when I went, I, I use Amazon all the time. And certainly my spending has increased dramatically after COVID. And I remember when Amazon was limited to essential goods and I couldn't get anything else, right? I would go to order like, coffee filters and it was like four week delivery. And I thought to myself, these companies are fucked, right? Like if, if these people are, are largely dependent on Amazon and they don't have a, uh, an elegant or effective e-commerce plan B, Mm -hmm. they're going to need to do that immediately. And who's that going to be? And as somebody who isn't, you know, one of the first advisors to, to Shopify and then, uh, one could argue stupidly, but it made sense to me at the time. I ended up selling shortly after the lockup period when they IPO'd. So I became an advisor when they had eight to 12 employees. Now they have whatever, 2000. Uh, I always kicked myself, right? Because I love those guys and they know what they're doing. They're good guys. The, uh, they're very strategically intelligent. They're great at executing. So I was always kind of kicking myself. And, I, and, and when they suspended their guidance for 2020 and they got pummeled, I just thought to myself, all right, you know, if you really believe that and you're seeing this kind of trend, then this would be the time to like push some serious chips in. And it's like either put in enough where if it grows, like, and, and I kind of, in my mind, thought, okay, two to three X in share price over the next three years. Did not expect it to happen in three months. I mean, that's just bonkers, right? Yeah. Uh, but those are the only, those are the only, if I, I, I don't think I'm omitting anything, but I think those are the, the two stocks that, that I put a lot into. But it was really thinking about what would do well no matter what. And of course, there are lots of unknowns. There's, there's uh, key person risk in both of these companies, but they've, they've both been really, really smart. And I, 
I don't know about you. I think you do this too. I mean, I base a lot of my investment decisions. This is true for early stage and it's also true for later stage, just based on my personal day-to-day experiences Mm -hmm. and how I'm spending money and how my behaviors are changing. And if I see those same behaviors changing in a dozen of my friends, I'm like, I think this is the thing. Well, I mean, that's, that's the beauty of being an early adopter, which you are and which I am. Like you're early. Right. Yeah. And if that's true, and all of our friends are early adopters and we're all early on something, we should be buying that stock. Right. Because yeah. we're early. Yeah. So, I, yeah. So I, I follow the same uh, kind of strategy in that I have two buckets. I have, so one, we should both say neither of us are registered investment advisors and this is not investment advice. This is just like what yes. we do personally. Two things. My sister, what will I tell her? I'll tell her, don't buy any individual stocks. Yeah. Buy Wealthfront, go into Wealthfront, get a bunch of index funds, play it safe, do your yeah. thing, set yourself up for retirement, you're done. So one bucket of my portfolio is like that. It's just like ultra safe, like yeah. slow growth, nothing fancy, lots of index funds, blah, blah, blah. Then there's the, okay, let's take this, and this is different for everyone in terms of what what their allocation would be, What, but, but some percentage of your overall um net worth and say, I'm going to take that and invest it in something that I hope will have a blended 3x over the next five years, right? Or yep. 4x, whatever whatever you're kind of aiming for. And for me, it's it's the same bucket. So I, I was thinking, okay, heading into COVID, what are the things that are going to do better, which would be a Peloton? Um, because, you know, gyms are closed. It's a fantastic product. The churn is effectively zero because when someone else buys a bike that is being sold used a new subscriber is then activated which is crazy it's one of the very few products that has like zero churn um and you have to imagine they're working on and they've hinted at this publicly they're working on other types of equipment right so it's not just a one trick pony they already had a treadmill they pulled it back they said they're revamping it like that's so it's you know and it's a like right now even today it's a $19 billion company. Like, if you think of this more as a technology subscription play and the future of fitness, I think there's a much larger business to be built here. And, you know, we were talking about this when it was under 10 billion in yeah. market cap. So that's interesting. Amazon, obviously, to your point about e commerce penetration being relatively low in the United States. This there is no bigger Goliath. There is no bigger giant than this, you know, beast of a company. And it's like they're yeah. just going to continue to crush everything. And so for me, that's not a three X because it's already a one point eight trillion dollar yeah. company or whatever it is now. Like, but it's you know, there's some there's there's still some growth to be had there. And and I, it's like I I I'm not betting against e commerce ever. And especially in a COVID world, people are going to be shopping and doing more shopping online. So I I like that. Um, Square, I love how they diversified their their product offering. Square Cash is a fantastic app. So it's not about brick and mortar. It's now about, you know, they're doing stock trading. They're doing Bitcoin purchases, which they've made a ton of money off this last quarter. Um, It's about building out that suite of personal finance tools for the unbanked um, directly in that cash app, which is, I I just think, you know, I'm so... To my point earlier about the three to five X, you have to look at lower market cap companies. You can't be looking at an Apple or an Amazon for those types of returns over time. Yeah. So, you know, Square is a $67 billion company. There's, I believe there's there's more room to for them to grow there. Um, 
like you on Shopify for everything you've said. Uh, Tesla, same thing. I think it's expensive right now, but I mean, they're, they're continuing to build up these massive gigafactories. There's a reason why every other week they're like announcing a new gigafactory. Like the demand is there and they have a fantastic product. Um, yeah, I, I just love, it's hard to bet against them. Here's one that's interesting that I haven't told you about. So I don't know if you know this, but Intel is kind of screwed right now. They've had a really hard time with their chip manufacturing and getting this, this new process down, these smaller die chips. Uh, AMD has just been crushing yeah, them. Yeah. Yeah. But here's what's interesting. So Apple also moved away from Intel chips and is now, is now doing their own chips, right? So Apple and AMD, but the, Apple is not using AMD. Apple's using their own silicon and doing everything. So who makes all these chips? It's a company called TSM out of, out of Taiwan that makes yeah. all these next generation. They're like the better version of Intel. So TSM, I think, is going to be... I mean, they're already a $375 billion company, so they're not tiny. But, but TSM is massive. And now... Also consider this, we're going into the fall, two things are happening. PlayStation, the new PlayStation, the new Xbox are coming out. Both of them, AMD architecture, both of them being manufactured by TSM in terms of the chips themselves. So uh-huh. I, I, I'm excited about TSM. Um, and then, you know, I buy some, some gold to hedge all of that. Uh, and then that's pretty much about it. I, oh, you know, Spotify, dude. I think Spotify is going to be seen as the Netflix uh, of audio, and eventually we'll get into video as well. And I, I think it's going to be, um, there's a reason they haven't launched Joe Rogan on in the app yet. And I think it's because they're revamping, my, my gut tells me they're revamping the player and they're going to announce video at the same time. And it's going to be like Spotify is going to be like the next Netflix. Well, I think that was, so I, I agree with you. And I, I, one of the discussed, publicly discussed, but under-discussed aspects of that deal was the inclusion of video, that that his show would be coming off of YouTube and going into Spotify, right? This Interesting. Is, that's the thing that people are like, oh yeah, and they're doing the video thing, but okay, but look at the audio and look at the price of the deal. And I'm like, no, no, no. Right. That video is super fucking important. Like, right, Pay exactly. attention to that. That's a big, big, big deal. It's huge. Yeah. Yeah, those guys are smart. They're really smart. Do they have the Michelle what, Obama podcast now that's exclusive to Spotify? And like, yeah, I was, they, it's funny, I was talking to talk about like, speaking of early adopter stuff, I was talking to my, my, my wife, Daria, and she's like, you know, she, we just had this conversation last night. She's like, ah, Google podcast keeps crashing for me. She goes, you know what? I'm just going to use Spotify because everything's there and they got some exclusive content now. And I was like, ding, 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 ding. Like, yeah. that's just, you know, it's going to be the default. Yeah. yeah, they're smart and they're being very, very aggressive in ways uh, that some of their competition really can't. Um, I mean, they they technically could, but they're just not designed to be aggressive in the way that that, that Spotify is being aggressive. And uh, I'll be super curious to watch the space, obviously, because you know I, I play so much of the podcast world. But uh, do you think you'll ever join them? I don't know. I don't know. I mean, the it would have to be an incredibly good offer. I, I do, I've thought about this quite a bit. I mean, as it relates to different options, right? Because there, there have to be some responses or reactions from the big players, right? Like Apple, Amazon, Google are all going to put a lot of capital and energy into this space because there's, there's money to be had. And if, if anyone's playing with music, they recognize that the margins and advertising dollars are much more interesting yeah. The economics are much more attractive for podcasts and spoken word, 
right? I mean, look at, mm-hmm. look at Audible, right? What a monster. Uh, so dominant. Another reason that I'm bullish. Um, actually, one of the, one of the reasons I, I was really bullish on Amazon is I said, and this actually came from a friend of mine, Mike, who pointed it out, and he said, what is going to happen with live sports? How are they going to broadcast sports to millions of people? Who is equipped to handle this right now? And he's like, Amazon with Twitch is equipped to handle this in some fashion, right? Like there are, there's infrastructure within Amazon that can be adapted for all sorts of gaps in the market. Um, so, well, the, I mean, the beautiful not- thing is that Amazon gets paid no matter what, because like who, guess what happens when Google taps out their data centers, what they light up next. They're lighting AWS. up Amazon. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Everybody's yeah. lighting up AWS when this stuff goes, yeah. goes big. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, let me ask you a question about you. You meant so a couple things real quick. So yes, confirmed that we are not registered investment advisors. And I think it's really important for me to provide a little more context around my comments where uh, I said I put in you know, enough chips where it would, would, would be meaningful with, say, Amazon and uh, Shopify, man. You said Spotify. I always confuse the shit out of those two. Um, I put... When I put money into both of those companies, I had roughly... 14 times more in cash reserves. So this is really important to keep in mind. In other words, at the time, right, if I put 2% of my liquid net worth into those stocks, I had something like 30% in cash or cash-like reserves, right? So I'm playing it from my perspective, it's kind of safe in that respect. And I do not recommend people stock pick in general. I just think it's a terrible yeah. idea. Uh, and and the I, other thing too I, is if 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 you're gonna if you're gonna play in this world, like there's no such thing as timing the market, and you just never know what's gonna happen. Like always, dollar cost average your way into any position. So that that means like if you have five hundred dollars to invest, rather than say tomorrow I'm gonna go buy some Spotify for five hundred bucks and just call it a day, like maybe divide that into five one hundred dollar investments over the course of five months or three months. You know, you're not buying at the bottom, you're not buying at the high, but you're getting that blended dollar cost average in. And a lot of people do that to, as a as a little mini way to to hedge and and yeah. you know, because who knows what's gonna happen given how insane this market is. The second piece that I think is important to mention is, and I think Tim, you're in this boat too, but I wouldn't be buying anything that I wouldn't want to hold for the next five plus years. Yeah. So it doesn't yeah, that's, really that's matter. That's super important. I should super have said important. that. I was planning on not touching these for three to five years. Yeah. So, I mean, if, if something yeah. drops by 40%, will I be crushed by looking at the price? Of course. But is I think long-term, I'm going to be in a, in a, a just a, a, you know fine position. And that's the way you kind of, you, you alluded to this too. It has to be something that you're comfortable losing at the same time, right? So it shouldn't yeah. be... The life and, savings, and I, right? Yeah, and we should also say it's like we're talking about companies that we actually really fucking know, right? On some level, right? I mean, it not this doesn't mean that it's a different type of knowing than reading every analyst report, and um, it, it's just like a, a deep product knowledge, and the fact that like we both like I I I know dozens and hundreds of companies that use Shopify, right? As their right. e-commerce solution. I use Amazon every day for one thing or another. And uh, I think that's important to keep in mind. 
And question about, uh, <laughs> I think my dog really has to pee, so I'm going to take her out in a minute. She's being very good. We, we, very can, good. we, can, we can wrap things up. We can wrap things up. I'll, I'll, this, this will be a good way to expedite the, the answer to my question, which is, you said you're buying gold. How do you think about gold versus crypto? Because you've been very involved or knowledgeable of and tracking crypto for, for quite a long time. And are you buying ETF? Are you buying, uh, you know, bars in some vault in a foreign country? What are you doing? And yeah, why I mean, gold versus crypto? How do you think of them, about them differently? Well, on the gold side, I, I like to look at the ETFs that, that do warehouse their own gold and actually have, you know, full transparency reports about actually owning the bars. And, you know, so I, I actually buy the iShares Gold Trust, which is IAU. And I like that a couple that one there, the, the, the biggest one out there is GLD, but their expense yeah. ratios are higher. Um, IAU, uh, I believe there was a couple things I looked into and in, in, it's also like, like, like Providence, like where, where are they keeping their gold as well? And the IAU had, was keeping it in Switzerland and I think one, I think the UK as well. And it just, I want to make sure where they're storing it is also safe and secure, not in a crazy war zone or something else that could, you know, potentially go really bad on that front. Bank of Sierra Leone. Yeah. It's like, you know, <laughs> so, you know, I just, I, I went with that one. There's a, I'm sure they're, they're all, the big ones are all probably pretty decent, but uh, in terms of crypto, you know, I have a bunch of cryptocurrency that is not yet tradable that, um, I've invested in over the last few years and so that hasn't hit the market yet. So I already see my crypto bucket is being pretty full. I don't think um, holding Bitcoin or Ethereum is a bad idea. I just wouldn't make it any substantial portion of my overall portfolio. Like I wouldn't, it wouldn't be 10% or something crazy, you know? Why do you have less confidence in crypto than gold? If I'm, that's a leading question, but I'm just making an assumption here. And that does not to imply that I am a super bull with crypto, but it seems like in some respects you are more confident in gold as a disaster hedge versus crypto. Why, why would that be the case if it's true? Well, I just, it is true. And I believe that you have to look uh, at what are the safe asset choices that institutional investors have direct access to. Yep. And um, there is no easy way, you know, ETF uh, to buy cryptocurrency. It's just not there yeah. yet. And, and I just, um, it's not to say that people won't turn to crypto and the prices won't, you know, 5X by the time this video is released. Like, who knows? But I, yeah. I just, I know that gold is so time-tested that I, I just, I feel it's, it's it's a it's a proper it's a it's a it's a proper hedge and I'm okay with 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 having some portion of my portfolio being gold. Now do you view that as a hedge against hyperinflation, a hedge against general equity collapse? What are you hedging with gold? I would say a little bit of both, but mostly general general equity collapse. Like just something I, I'm hedging in that I believe if all like let's just say we have a vaccine that doesn't work. And this turns into a three or four year process instead of a one year and change process. Jobs don't come back. That's going to be a pretty brutal place to play, right? Like the markets, I think at that point might start to sour. 
it's very confusing <laughs> yeah. why they haven't today. But like, yeah. you know, in, in that case, I, I would like a little more something, a little more something that's a little bit more concrete, like having gold as part of a portfolio. But that's that's just me. Everybody's different. I have some friends that won't touch the stuff. So, and then yeah. I have some friends that actually have bars in their like actual physical gold bars, which I'm sure you know some of those people as well. I do. Yeah, you I probably have some. I, I, no, I don't. I don't actually. But I'm just like, I'm like, if it gets that bad, right? Where it's like Mad Max and Marauders, are you gonna right. drive your fucking dune buggy with machine guns down to the Seven Eleven and like take a razor blade like, and shave off a sliver of gold exactly. to get your tampons? Like, no, you're not. Right. Like so. Tim's on the corner with like a little little hatchet, like just like etching off some gold and like trading yeah. it for some lentils. Like, <laughs> if it gets that bad, like you're going to have to use your gold as a weapon because it's right. not going to have any functional value. But I mean, who knows? I mean, it's uh, God. It just feeds every like not paranoid, but sort of apocalyptic scenario planning compulsion that i have which so i try to i try to not get wrapped up in it because it's hard, it's so it's so seductive it's so seductive but yeah cool well thanks for thanks for thanks for answering that yeah i um i think people should be prepared for a long haul right like it's it's i think it's very dangerous to try to do any short-term trading and i actually heard an anecdote i'm not going to mention any names but one of the one of the best known hedge fund investors in the world who has an incredible, incredible track record. I mean, the guys, his compounded annual returns over decades is, it, it, are just ludicrous. And he came in, this was a couple of weeks ago, and basically like said to his team, he's like, guys, it's too fucking hard. Just like take a vacation. We're not going to do, we're not going to try to deal with this right now. So if that is happening in like one of the top shops in the world, I don't think it's a good idea for 99.999% of people to do any short-term trading. You're going to get eaten alive uh, either by other traders who do this 24-7 or high-frequency folks, or you're just going to get murdered by the market, right? As the saying goes, the market can remain irrational longer than you can remain solvent. Yeah. Um, it's it's and, crazy when you read these Reddits, uh, subreddits about, you know, these Robinhood traders that are using that app to leverage their positions. And like these kids are going in there and just getting these crazy leverage positions on certain things. I mean, they're driving up bankrupt companies like Hertz and all these to like new record highs. And you're just like, this is not, we shouldn't be playing. Don't, don't play with this stuff. Well, that one kid, that poor kid, I don't know. Did you hear about oh, what happened? I, I don't know. There are a lot of poor uh, kids these okay, days. Well, Which one well, are you this, talking about? This, this one got um, so you know Robinhood, the app. It's a, it's a fantastic trading app. It's a great piece of software, but it allows people to opt into options trading and leverage trading like with like three clicks. It's like super That's simple, terrifying right? to me. Oh, I know. I mean, so so these kids go in, and this one kid put in. I don't I don't know what the dollar amount was, but he he. He got on the wrong side of being leveraged, and it saw. He saw. I mean, he didn't know these things were going to expire, and he saw like a negative, like I don't make a number, but it was something like a hundred thousand dollars negative account, and he killed himself. Oh my God! All over Robinhood, and this, and just a misunderstanding of what was going to happen in the end, and just got so wrapped up doing it, and it's just, oof, I, it's playing yeah. fire. Yeah, it is. I, honestly, for me, you know, another reason why I'm just hitting pause on all this stuff is that, you know, for me these days, like the function of investing and that can be applied to 
time and energy, but certainly capital is to increase your quality of life, right? So if, if, if one agrees that that is, let's just take that as the primary objective. If you're making investments that cause you to lose sleep and chew your fingernails and have cortisol pour out your eyeballs, it's a bad investment. It doesn't matter if yeah. it's 2X is 10X is 100X is. If for a protracted period of time, it's going to have that psychological, psycho-emotional effect on you. It's not a good investment. Yeah. And you know, I've learned that the hard way too, right? I've chased returns, certainly in the startup world and all this stuff. And I was like, this fucking sucks. Like, this is not fun. And yeah. even if you're good at it, doesn't mean you should do it. Like, watch uh, after this podcast comes out, like Venice and Futures are going to like shoot up and like, Tim <laughs> <laughs> mentions Venice is the future. <laughs> Venison is the future. Maui Nui, get after yeah. it. Cool, man. Well, it's, it's awesome to see you, brother. And yeah, I good miss, to see you too. Uh, miss hanging out. And uh, it's a bummer to not be able to spend time in person. So hopefully we'll be able to do that before too long. Yeah, agreed, dude. It's been been too long. It was. I'm actually really glad that you got to visit us just before this whole COVID thing happened. You know, it wasn't yeah. that many months before, so it was good to see you then. But it's uh, it's been it's 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 tough. It's tough. Stuck in the yeah. house all. The, it's hard with significant others too. You know, it's like you really realize yeah. what your relationships made of. But oh, yeah, um, you, you get you get to see all the stuff. Yeah, and, exactly. And all your stuff. Uh, I've got no shortage of of my stuff. Uh, you know, it's a daily project. And anything else you want to say before we wrap up? No, Where people can uh, find you. Anything like that? Yeah, I mean, I'm not on social really these days. I do tweet every once in a while at Kevin Rose. But um, yeah, if you, I would say one thing I, I would like to mention is if people want to check out um, that Zen interview I did on my podcast with Henry, I thought it was quite good. It was like, you know, how, and I'm sure you, Tim, you get like this too. You probably obviously don't say it publicly, but you record episodes and you're like, oh, episode was just okay. You know, it's like, yeah, you, yeah, you know, sometimes yeah. you're like, ah, every once in a while you get one of those. Yeah. Yeah. So this one, I was like, wow, I actually, I think I did a pretty decent job with this one. So I was, I was pretty proud yeah, of it. So cool. I think people will en enjoy this one with, with, with Henry Schickman. Um, and you can cool. find that at podcast.kevinrose.com. Sweet. And for me, uh, really love doing the Hugh Jackman interview. That must have been huge for you, it, dude. It was amazing. Yeah, it was just a dream come true. I mean, he's been on the wish list forever and he just was so game. Uh, so, the, so if people want to check that out, I think it's just Tim. I have to listen to it. Like Hugh. I got to listen to it because Dario was oh, like, dude. did you hear that Tim interviewed Hugh Jackman? I'm like, oh, I, I, you'd the first thing it. out of my mouth you'd is I was it. like, he must have been shitting himself. Like, that's like yeah, your I was, I was dream nervous. episode. Yeah. I was super nervous. Uh, it was great. It was great. So, you know, hopefully did you ask him about his training and stuff? I did. Yeah. Oh, I knew you would have. Yeah. yeah. During yeah. Wolverine awesome. and everything. I was like, if you could only choose one exercise, what would it be and why? And what would the protocol be? He, he gave, he really gave the details and got it. Oh, specifics. that's exciting. That's it awesome. Was awesome. So that one I'd recommend people check out. If you just search my name and Hugh Jackman or go to the your podcast app of choice. And then also I'd say one thing that I am still doing that I'm still really enjoying is five bullet Friday, which is the newsletter that goes out to between one and 2 million people every Friday. It's free. It's just five bullets of the five coolest things that I've come across that week or that I'm thinking about using, experimenting with pondering. And you can find that at tim.blog forward slash Friday. Sweet. Uh, that's it for me, man. But uh, give a give a hug to the fam for me. Miss you guys. Yeah, miss you guys too. And uh, yeah, let your dog go pee. Yeah. <laughs> all right, Molly. Molly, thanks us for getting off. <laughs> all right. And <laughs> all right, brother. I'll all see right. You soon. See ya.
Hey guys, this is Tim again. Just a few more things before you take off. Number one, this is Five Bullet Friday. Do you want to get a short email from me? And would you enjoy getting a short email from me every Friday that provides a little morsel of fun before the weekend? And Five Bullet Friday is a very short email where I share the coolest things I've found or that I've been pondering over the week. That could include favorite new albums that I've discovered. It could include gizmos and gadgets and all sorts of weird shit that I've somehow dug up in the uh, the world of the esoteric as I do. It could include favorite articles that I've read and that I've shared with my close friends, for instance. And it's very short. It's just a little tiny bite of goodness before you head off for the weekend. So if you want to receive that, check it out. Just go to fourhourworkweek.com. That's fourhourworkweek.com all spelled out and just drop in your email and you will get the very next one. And if you sign up, I hope you enjoy it. This episode is brought to you by LegalZoom. It's a whole new world out there and we're all facing new challenges. You may need legal help to overcome some of yours and that's where LegalZoom fits in. Maybe you've been wondering about the best way to protect your family or maybe you're thinking about starting a business but you don't know the best way to do it. Don't let legal questions hold you back. LegalZoom has been dedicated to helping you find the right solutions for nearly 20 years. If you're looking to protect your family with a will or a living trust or something else, or you're thinking about the right way to start a business with an LLC, nonprofit, or more, LegalZoom's got you covered. It's easy to get started online, and if you need guidance, their network of attorneys can provide advice to ensure you make the right choices. And since LegalZoom isn't a law firm, you won't get charged by the hour. So check it out. Visit LegalZoom.com today to take care of the important things that need to get done. That's LegalZoom.com. LegalZoom, where life meets legal. This episode is brought to you by Allform. If you've been listening to this podcast for a while, you've probably heard me talk about Helix Sleep and their mattresses, which I've been using since 2017. I have two of them upstairs from where I'm sitting at this moment. And now Helix has gone beyond the bedroom and started making sofas. They just launched a new company called Allform, A-L-L-F-O-R-M, and they're making premium, customizable sofas and chairs shipped right to your door at a fraction of the cost of traditional stores. So I'm sitting in my living room right now, and it's entirely Allform furniture. I've got two chairs, I've got an ottoman, and I have an L-sectional couch. I'll come back to that. You can pick your fabric. They're all spill, stain, and scratch resistant. The sofa color, the color of the legs, the sofa size, the shape to make sure it's perfect for you in your home. Also, Allform arrives in just three to seven days and you can assemble it all yourself in a few minutes. No tools needed. I was quite astonished by how modular and easy these things fit together, kind of like Lego pieces. They've got armchairs, love seats, all the way up to an eight seat sectional. So there's something for everyone. You can also start small and kind of build on top of it if you wanted to get a smaller couch and then build out on it, which is actually in a way what I did because I can turn my L sectional couch into a normal straight couch and then with a separate ottoman in a matter of about 60 seconds. It's pretty rad. So I mentioned I have all of these different things in this room. I use the natural leg finish, which is their lightest color, and I dig it. I mean, I've been using these things hours and hours and hours every single day. So I am using what I am sharing with you guys. And if getting a sofa without trying it in-store sounds risky, you don't need to worry. All form sofas are delivered directly to your home with fast free shipping, and you get 100 days to decide if you want to keep it. That's more than three months, and if you don't love it, they'll pick it up for free and give you a full refund. Your sofa frame also has a forever warranty that's literally forever. So check it out, take a look. They've got all sorts of cool stuff to choose from. I was skeptical, 
and it actually worked. It worked much better than I could have imagined, and I'm very, very happy. So to find your perfect sofa, check out allform.com slash Tim. That's A-L-L-F-O-R-M.com slash Tim. Allform is offering 20% off all orders to you, my dear listeners, at allform.com slash Tim. Make sure to use the code Tim at checkout. That's allform.com slash Tim and use code Tim at checkout.